1: Just podcast like it. Podcast like
3: it's 1999.
1: Podcast like it. You want a podcast like it's 1999. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1999 with my best friend in a world we must defend here in 2020. I am one of your hosts, Kenny Nybart. And I'm Phil Isco. And with us today from the You're Missing Out podcast, a longtime correspondent of ours, <laughs> Michael Natale. Zach. That- Thank right? you, guys. Not like Natalie, the first time I pronounced it on that's, the pod. That's
3: great. N- Natalie is good. Yeah, that was a, I, I remember that. That was a, yes. you know, <laughs> a, will, a special moment.
1: I remember it too, especially for me because I hate pronouncing people's names wrong. So <laughs> I, it's, it's like, it's something that, like, it, you got to get the person's name right. So when we had Okarete Anadawan, which I can pronounce now, I tried really hard to to pronounce his name correctly and I screwed mm. up and, like, I will never forget it. So Michael. Natale, you're missing out. Second podcast, new days for me and you. I'll be on your podcast that's, coming up soon, yeah. talking about high noon. But today we're talking, and Phil went on the podcast to talk about I did Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. So just, I talked about yeah. Sunset Boulevard today. Do you have a title for that podcast
3: yet? We're just sticking with you're missing out as 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 Kenny oh, okay. just said. Because oh, if we weren't, then he would just be uh listing me from a podcast that hasn't put out an episode the, in two yes. in like a year. <laughs> yeah, a yeah. I, I just wasn't sure if you guys
2: were yeah, coming.
1: you're missing out podcast. Yeah. But yeah, uh to, to complete my joke we're working on, <laughs> today we'll be doing a a, a movie of similar stature okay. pokemon the first the movie, movie. Mm-hmm. mew 2 strikes back or mew versus mew 2 i've seen both um there's also
2: there's also pikachu's vacation the short film can, yes the short so we, film which, which also was a part
1: of it i don't believe i saw
3: I, I
2: did. Uh, I let sent me, it to I, us, but you know, I, we,
1: I sent I you.
3: It. I sent you a Dropbox with both <laughs> Pikachu's Vacation and the Origin of Mewtwo, the prequel, uh, short that they thought was too depressing for the movie itself because it features a dead child. Um, I only watched hard in these movies, by the way. I only watched the
2: the the Pikachu Vacation. Oh. I didn't see. I didn't see that there was a second thing. But, yeah,
1: shit gets dark. I want to set this up as best as we can, um, uh, in terms of what we're doing today. You do the movies of 1999. What are we doing today, Kenny? You do the movies of 1999, and you make a deal with, you know, with your partner. You, make a, you, you put it out there in the world. <laughs> you know, I've often compared this to yeah. Sufjan Stevens' 50-State Project that I've always held against him <laughs> for only doing two states. But we have decided to do or are committed to doing every movie of 1999. And how could we not do a movie that debuted at number one in the box office and was for a period of time? Did it debut number one in the box office? I saw a look at it, Mike. Mm -hmm. It did. Okay. It did. It did. And for a time was the highest grossing animated film of the year. Not only that.
2: Uh, About a month.
1: (laughs) That's a time. Not only that. It was a cultural phenomenon. There was a video game revolution. connected to this it was one of the first mainstream pieces of japan animation or anime kind of don't think you call it that but mike will correct me on all that stuff we have no choice but to do pokemon (laughs) phil and i are older than the pokemon audience was and pokemon mythology passed us by so without judgment we had to to bring on a younger man (laughs) <laughs> Mike Natale to help us through something that was very big in his youth. And then I found out yesterday it wasn't. So- <laughs> no, it was. It was, excuse me. it was huge for me,
3: man. It was fucking so, huge for me. That's I, good. So, all I said was All I said was after a certain age, I didn't keep up with it anymore. And then when you told me, hey, you should come on and do this like a year and a half ago, I was like, fuck, I better know my shit. Because
1: <laughs> You guys, get, he procrastinated. Guys get yeah, we get granular, but he, guys, preca- he procrastinated I mean? until three days ago when he mainlined twenty four Pokemon <laughs> movies directly to his it ve- directly into his veins, like like right Clockwork Orange style, I think. And got the steel book right here, babies. Got the steel book right here. Steelbook. So so as I said to Phil over text, and I, I did clue Michael in on this. We're gonna be leaning on you, a seasoned podcaster to walk mm-hmm. us through the world of Pokemon in and around Pokemon, the first movie Mewtwo versus Mew slash Mew Strikes Back slash Pikachu's day at the park. So um, <laughs> me, it
3: was, it was, I, I, to be clear, gentlemen, gentlemen, to be clear, it was Pikachu's <laughs> vacation, then Pikachu's winter vacation, then Pikachu's rescue adventure. Let's please get all of it. Right. Um, so, so, I want I just want to, I want to
2: pause for one quick second because it, it, it should be said um, you want to take know, a preamble for
1: my preamble
2: a little bit mike i think it's safe to say was the first real diehard fan of our podcast that's true um he you know I I, I I it needs to be said that he was one of the first people to like engage with us on twitter to engage with us on the on the movies and um you know we're incredibly grateful for it it's incredibly important um you know obviously i was on your podcast for uh, for bay Pig in the city uh, a far superior film to this one um and yeah. i, I Ooh, yeah, fight yeah, okay. Okay. I mean, it listen, more it's coming listen. you you can, you can fight other, me on it know. but it's, it's 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 unimpeachably better than this movie uh, um and uh, you know. but but more than anything, I just want to say you know thank you for sticking with us thank you for your you know for your support and uh, it was great being on your podcast and 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 just thank you
1: and Bye. and i I say the same thing i, I you know that was cool. It's cool, that, it's cool that you reached out. The coolest part about it was, I do know the story of how you found us. You were oh, I don't looking, know that. Oh, I, I, I'm I, going to tell it, and then you can correct me. But I believe okay. one day you were just looking for some hot Wild Wild West <laughs> content on the net. God damn right. And you found our cast. <laughs> uh, so,
3: so if anybody who is listening does follow me on Twitter, I tweet about Wild Wild West a lot. It is mm-hmm. it is an, it is a movie that means so much to me uh because it represents this golden time we can never have back. It's like my Brigadoon. like I just keep thinking oh. about how we never get anything that stupid and 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 upset like come on. I would that love a movie to be a... stupid. Yes! Yeah. I want a, I want a million dollar production <laughs> number on the MTV Movie Awards. I want Cisco to join in a song. Okay. I want that okay. shit. You know, like here's here's the thing, and this is what we're gonna touch on. I, I hope is that, and something that Pokemon also represents too, and why Pokemon Go was so huge, is for people my age. I'm I'm thirty now, uh, which I fucking hate saying, but I'm thirty now. And uh, wait till you're that means forty. Born in, I was born what in. 19- I would oh, know.
2: I, <laughs> hey. Wait till you're forty, then you get back
3: to me. Kenny, Kenny, the way things are going, it's optimistic to say any of us are going to make it to 40. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> as I, as I, as I chug wow. a Heineken out of a polyworld glass, all of us are already there. Bedroom. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. but no, so, so being that there's something about, and I'll get into this more later, but, you know, we were born in 1990, and everything kind of had its shit together somewhat, Uh, you mm-hmm. know, and we got the slightest taste of what now feels like paradise, where there weren't real problems. (laughs) Um, And then, like, right, literally, for those of us who are 30, like, right at the time where your parents are turning around and going, hey, we should probably tell you, like, death is a real thing that's going to come to all of us. And also, you're going to start getting these, like, tingling sensations in your body that are going to be the driving force of the rest of your life and probably ruin you. Also, oh, hey, all the rules you learned about how the world worked are completely turned on their head 9 11 happens when you're 11 years old you've no clue what the fuck's going on and then when you start to get the balance again of like oh this is how the system works i think i've worked out the new system it's time for me to go to college because a college degree will be valuable and if i go to college and i get a degree i will get a job and then the economic collapse of 2008 happens right when you're going to college and now when you're at the point where you're 30 you find somebody you love you're trying to start a family you're trying to start a life this shit happens so every (laughs) system has crumbled and so something like Wild Wild West that to you guys is just insipid to me like I can't help but look at it and be like I would fucking love for something pre-crisis to be this for you. insipid again.
2: Yeah, yeah I see what a- you're
3: saying. I see what you're getting
2: at. It's okay. it, but you know so, you know,
1: know just, yeah. first of all my condolences. Your life is terrible. <laughs> but but for real, you I yeah. I I for whatever reason and I think it's very strongly related to what you just said and phil i don't know if you've noticed this I don't know. but there does seem to be a, a bit of a gap in hollywood around 27 to around 32 that i don't know a lot of people working in hollywood between uh, between 27 and 32 And I do wonder if it's because of what Mike just pointed out. You know, I've read things from people who are around thirty talking about that same thing—that these these three crises hit at very important moments in their life. For me and Phil, frankly, like I couldn't be in a better position for these crises. The the recession hit right before I had a lot of stake in the economy, so I was kind of able to weather it. I had a steady job and. And and I didn't have to worry about 401ks or planning for a family. And the pandemic is hit after I've kind of gotten to a place where I feel somewhat comfortable. But five years earlier, it would have been incredibly difficult. And I do think that people don't really appreciate the way your generation. And again, we're basically the same generation, but you're firmly millennial. And I'm cuspy and Phil is, you know, fucking Gen X. Uh, <laughs> oh, the,
3: trust me. The, can I can I tell you batting? as? as I, trust me. We all know Phil is Gen X. We've seen his music taste, and we know that. <laughs>
1: well,
3: but... yeah. No, listen. That's not that's not knocking it at all. But but like you have the the same music taste as the Gen X relatives that I have, and all out that I kind of grew up listening <laughs> to on the side and like hearing listen i get uh, it that again, I'm, older I'm older than you guys, guys. that's fine phil again, is uh, phil uh, is
1: truly phil is truly and and i think you should lean into this in your life and your uh-huh. writing and your work you're the last uh-huh. of the gen xers <laughs> <laughs> you like i
3: is I, that I, the gentrified I... version of the last no, black don't man don't... in san francisco it's a little just, bit a it's just little a guy bit. with a you... slackers poster on the wall just like yeah you, yeah.
1: <laughs> you are the <laughs> to, you, phil you you worked in a you worked in a video store
3: Many video stories.
2: You,
1: <laughs> you are the last of the Gen Xers, um, which I think hey, is kind of hey. cool.
3: <laughs> Phil, if you, if you think that this kind of ribbing is bad, I, I think that there's plans to bring oh, my co-host on at some point, and that is oh, going to yeah, be nightmare for
1: you. Oh, yeah, I didn't tell Phil yet. Oh, Tom, <laughs> on? I want, him I, want on. Tom, I want Tom to come on for Beyond the
2: Mat, which I can't wait. Great. Fantastic. I, I mean, I'll, I'll be silent for most of it, but I'll be there.
1: The whole, no, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. Just like this podcast... It's just going to be all about you and your reaction to this insane subculture that, that somehow is, that, has taken hold.
3: Yeah, that is why I have been unintentionally petitioning to do this since early on the podcast. The reason this all came about was that whenever Phil or one of you guys would tweet about the, a movie you're doing, like a great '99 movie, I would respond constantly with with Pokemon gifts because I'd be like, "You got to have to do this. It's going to happen," <laughs>
0: and I I know.
3: Yeah. I know that, that, <laughs> Kenny, you will, you will try, you know, that you would go into this and you would, you know, you got kids, you would try to grapple with it. And Phil, when it comes to these movies, I've listened to the show enough to know that he will, God bless him, give it the old college try while watching and be like, sure, but that there will be, you know, and, and, but if something doesn't click for you, Phil, like you're, you're going to be like, you're going to openly admit, like, I don't, I don't, It'll I do break his brain.
1: I mean, him. it's just, um, his brain is breaking. So
3: I've been ex- this- <clears throat> Let here's, here's what himself. I'll say.
2: <laughs> I, I, I got to defend myself a little bit here. Yeah. I, no, 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 no. It's not. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not defensive. I, I'll just. I'm just going to explain sort of my headspace about this, which is that, um, generationally, that's definitely a part of it, right? Which is that I didn't care about Pokemon when it was big back in the sort of late '90s, early 2000s, mostly early 2000s. Um, you know, I was in university at the time and didn't care. Uh, But there were people that did. Uh, So my first theatrical experience when it comes to Pokemon was seeing Detective Pikachu, what, last year or the year before? I don't remember when it was, but I guess... It was last last year. year. I I just (laughs) rewatched it uh, three hours ago. So, (laughs) So, And I went to see that in the theater, and I was excited to see it because I felt like there was this excitement brewing on Twitter and in the sort of film Twitter world of like, oh shit, this one's going to be good. Because there is a little bit of snobbery when it comes to the pokemon content not the uh-huh. games and the cards which people are That's obviously true. big fans of for sure but the movies themselves have a little bit of that kind of stink on them for some people so people were like detective pikachu and i was ready to fucking sh i was ready to lock into it i sat down the movie's fine it's not great like i think it's fine um i i think that pikachu's great uh just overall i just kind of was like i didn't really get it because i don't really get pikachu so then i sat down and watched the first movie the other day and found myself equally disengaged like i maybe just pikachu's not
3: maybe pokemon's just not for me i believe i got an email from someone that said this was interminable
1: pikachu is forever. i believe
3: no 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 i no. believe i got I, that email no, no no
2: no no what was interminable was the fucking vacation short which was literally a series of
3: masterpiece despite of noises and color, <laughs> noises yeah. and color. That is yeah, what man. that was. Hey, yeah. Toro, don't fucking talk either. And he's great. That's all I'm
1: saying. I've seen I've seen installations that are just noises and color that I've just sat in the in some dark room looking at noises and color for hours. Uh, okay,
3: f- f-
2: that, fair oh, point.
3: Oh, I, listen, oh, I'm with you. Fair point. Fair point. I'm, I'm, you, I'm Kenny. I t- Pikachu's vacation is like a Stan Brakhage film. I'm glad we're on the same
1: page. That's <laughs> <laughs>
3: so, so well, I, very I also, I, I'm on board let's let's uh
1: <laughs> let's do a little detective Pikachu okay. first because for sure. at least our sure. audiences okay. of you know olds uh everyone will be familiar with detective Pikachu <laughs> excuse
3: me I know you have some younger audiences I, young, I know you so. also have some you have some notable audiences I I reported that back to Phil once I don't know if he ever told you who can't say it? It. He, he did James tell him no. Jesus.
1: <laughs> I'm uh, kidding. I don't think, <laughs> no, I don't
3: know I, if I did sell him. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, let's not include this in case uh well, I don't have the job anymore anyway. Uh, I used to work at at a at a notable movie theater in Brooklyn and uh, Jesse Eisenberg came to visit one day. He was like doing some promo thing and Kyle, our producer was his liaison. And they were talking they're talking about he was in our bar talking about like what a great year 99 was and somebody went uh well somebody went uh, somebody should do like a show about that or a podcast and Jesse Eisenberg went Oh, there is one. There's one about that already. And Kyle, like bolted at him, like you will fuck him. He's like, no, he knows the he has an him. So yeah, he's you know. So
1: that's fucking cool. The,
3: that's, that's fucking cool. cool.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. You can you can leave that one in, guys. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yeah, because the worst
3: that'll happen uh, is my job won't hire me back after this. Hey, you I don't know. You have to worry about uh, that. I don't- um, not, 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 not because channel.
2: you I don't think that they're going to listen to this podcast. I think it's it's to say we're going to do. I don't know.
1: But, but, but I want to who knows I, I, Jesse Jessica listens. I don't know if you knew that. So wait, wait. I want yeah, I want to talk Pikachu. about the uh, the Pikachu. All right. So, Detective Pikachu. We talked a little bit with Jessica Ellis uh coming into this podcast because um I'm yep. of the opinion that uh you know, I know a little bit about Pokémon. I mean, you know, as I said, I've read this Deluxe Essential handbook of Pokemon. Gotta catch them all. The need to know oh, stats. Okay, catch I, I wrote my own, so we're all set. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> I've I've read it cover to cover, but um yep. I think detective detective Pikachu leaves a uh a, a newbie, a fresh mm-hmm. viewer cold because the world is impenetrable. I agree. And they start with on top of that, like if if you don't know anything about this world. Mewtwo is impossible to understand,
3: mm-hmm.
1: right? And they came into Detective Pikachu and was basically like, "All right, here are the Pokemon, and then here's Mega Pokemon, and just go with it." So let's let's um, let's start from Detective Pikachu and say, Michael, what were your feelings about that movie? How do you think it kind of approached the Americanification or the Americanization of this property? Do you think it was successful in translating into American audiences, et cetera, et
2: cetera? Just to to kind of lead into what uh, you're about to say, it should be said that there were things – I mean the Ryan Reynolds of it all – and and that was all an attempt at bridging. Correct? Is that what we're, we're, we're kind of saying? And when you ask about the Americanization, Kenny, that's I what wanted- I feel. Yeah, yeah. and okay. I, I feel yeah.
1: like it was explicitly made for an American audience, right? So yeah. I mean, I, look, it's in English. So, um, and it gave Pikachu an obvious Japanese Pokemon. Uh, Ryan Reynolds' American accent, but there's a reason for that. But yes, yeah. so um.
3: um- I think here's my thing. I, I think that you you guys are 100% right hitting the nail on the head with the fact that, yeah, it is a movie that is mostly impenetrable for people who aren't familiar with the property. But that's not really something I'm going to treat as a criticism because if you went to see Star Trek Wrath of Khan, that movie is impenetrable to you if you don't know Star Trek. And you'd sit there and go, who, who the fuck is the guy with the pointy I mean, La- Wrath of Khan. Because I rewatched that recently, because of this podcast, we'll touch on that in a second. Uh, Wrath of Khan literally just starts with Ricardo Montebon looking at Chekhov and being like, "Ah, yes, Chekhov, I remember you." And you're, if you don't watch Star Trek, you're going, <laughs> "Why?" And if you do watch Star Trek, you're going, "Why?" Because Chekhov wasn't in space seed. This doesn't make sense. But hey, whatever. You know, we're not we're not here to get into the the
1: we, we certainly the Star are not. Trek at it all. Um,
3: <laughs> it's a minor so, gripe. F- it's such a
1: one day, I want to so run So many through. people
3: on that fucking ship for that episode, they picked the one guy who is not in that episode. It makes no yeah,
1: goddamn yeah. um, <laughs> oh, sense. So, wait, wait, I do so, just real quick. But, real quick I, all right, so yeah. I, now I have Star Trek. <laughs> Khan was in one episode of the original series.
3: Star, Khan one. appeared in, in the episode Space Seed. And yeah. Then, and it was a very good episode. One episode. Uh-huh, yeah. And
1: then they brought him back as the big bad in the second movie that has a continuous... Uh serialization yeah yeah okay
3: um and it fucking rules and uh, uh the reason but he was a
2: big this, hit though right like calm oh, yeah. was a big deal
3: yeah oh yeah it was a great character and that's why uh that's why a bunch of people got really mad when it was benedict cumberbatch in the new one and we all went oh come on what are we doing yeah yeah it did it, uh, it so it's for a completely different uh, show for me to get into the problems with uh into darkness and the fact that a Latino yeah. man magically turns white uh in the timeline. But hey, whatever. We're not we're not touching it now. Uh the thing about it is the reason I even bring up Space Seed is the fact that Mewtwo does appear in the Pokemon show prior to the first movie. Mm-hmm. There is an episode called Showdown of the Poke Corral, which I watched, where you see Great title Great title. They, it's it, Phil. You have no idea if you took a minute to look at Bulbapedia, the official Pokemon wiki. I think you would just lose faith in humanity with the shit that they do. Um, I have no doubt. I, just, I they, when when Meowth we're goes n- to see the movie, that darn Meowth. Oh, beautiful, perfect, we're, amazing we're, translations. We're, we're never going to. F-
1: no, we're we're on topic. I just no, like when uh, you go, when we okay. got there, I'm just, all I can think about is like we're 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 never going to make the diehards <laughs> happy.
3: Well, because, here's like, the thing. I here's the thing. I am I am coming at this from the vanity Were we today. trying? I went full die. I don't know. And my goal know. here. Here's the thing, man. My goal here. I learned this shit. My goal is to come in here and give you guys the context that hopefully by the end, you know that after the podcast number we bump it up a little bit. I don't need it to be high, but I want to bump it up a little bit from where it is now. That's what uh, I'd like to You know, that's all. I yeah. that's all I want. Which is
2: why that's you not. Know, I, I I I, I want to go on record and say that's a completely achievable goal. <laughs>
1: I want to go on record and say this is the one time since we've been zooming that Phil has sat back like Jerry Lewis on the on the fucking thirty the fucking thirty ninth hour of the telethon, picked his mic up off the <laughs> mic stand and is holding it to his mouth every time he speaks. We are. I we are 20 minutes this, into this, and he is done.
2: I said this on <laughs> our show. That's where we're at, guys. That's where I, we're at. It's That's where we're at with Pokemon and I me. I said
3: this. I, well, also, I said this on our show, and I, I stand by it, even though Phil said he didn't have this experience. Phil and I's uh, relationship now is like your freshman year college roommate, where – you don't always have everything in common, you kind of wound up stuck together, and you (laughs) like each other, but the shit that that person does annoys you so much more than if somebody else would. If you had any other guest on this show for Pokemon, there's a chance Phil would be leaning forward going, that's an interesting point, I agree with you, but I'm here, and he's just leaning back like, "All right, fucko, convince me, let's do this. Fucko, what? (laughs) Hold on,
2: hold (laughs) on, pump the brakes, I want to be very clear about something. You do not annoy me, okay,
3: that's that's just, that's not even like an accurate description. To disagree with that, but we'll get into that in <laughs> well,
2: a Okay, heat. listen. Sometimes you say stupid shit on Twitter, and that's <laughs> you're, you're allowed to do that.
1: I right, This is but, so good because, like, this is this is we just did an episode, and I think it's actually gonna air after this. Yeah, I'm gonna say something that you guys won't love, but we just did an episode with with uh, <laughs> with Kemi Ando Catino, and Kemi uh is a friend of mine. And This is gonna our air episode with her is gonna air in a few weeks, but she hosted an Instagram show called It's a Vibe where she gets two people to flirt on her Instagram. Sorry, Kemi, we're stealing your show right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But no, this is to love Phil. My- yeah, Michael, you, you, you get him. He like to, to love Phil is to spar with Phil. To love Phil is to push Phil's buttons and have your buttons pushed back. Like I, the, I don't problem, think I
2: push as many buttons as mine no, get pushed. You, just you do not, let me, not let even close. The, the
1: problem with our, I want to say one more thing. The problem with uh-huh. our podcast, me and Phil, is that I thought it was going to be a series of arguments and a series of button pushing, but we have somehow, some way, just morphed into one person. <laughs> We're now just one two-headed monster, so we don't we don't fuck with each other as much as I thought we would. We just like we just like, kind of, like we're, well, we're bubbing and Forrest, yeah. Gump sleeping back to back in the mud now. So it's great to have someone on who can play this game with him because I can't and anymore. That's, and that's crazy to me because when you were on our show
3: yesterday, you said something about like yeah, but like you know Phil's my like my podcast co-host. I can't fight with my podcast co host And Com and I were like, what the fuck is he talking about? That's all we do. <laughs> It's, I've known that man for ten years. Yeah. All we do is argue constantly about shit that does not matter. Anyway, I mean, talk
2: Kenny about. and I cer- certainly, Kenny and I don't see eye to eye on on some stuff, and that, enough stuff that I think hopefully it keeps our our episodes uh-huh. interesting. But I just want to be very clear about something here. Okay, <laughs> I don't dislike you, Mike, at all. I never that's said not, you that's know, not even. I- and, and now, whether or not you say some annoying things or have committed to a bit that I think is, I don't know, <laughs> not the best,
1: <laughs> is
2: fine. That's your prerogative. You don't to do that. It, it, here's it, here's the where the conflict it, it comes
1: the from. the Wild Wild West bit? Yeah, yes. it's just a true sincere not love. It. It's not a bit. I,
3: I believe. You get, listen, you want me to get my fucking signed VHS by Barry Sonnenfeld? I got it right behind me. Signed VHS. VHS. But here's here's
2: where you don't seem to get what I'm saying. That's a commitment to the bit. Like yes. I, I think you're fully committed to it, but it's still a bit, and that's a bit that I think there's. there's I get a, why you like the movie, but you know, there's a right, wrestling
1: me, term. There's a wrestling term uh, called working yourself into a shoot. And that's when, you know, every wrestling character starts as obviously a character. Jake the Snake Roberts is not actually a man who, like, you know, owns snakes. He's a man. He's not a snake? He's a man whose name rhymes with snake, right? Sure. So sure. someone early on said, we should call you Jake the Snake, and you should have snake on your snakes on your tights. And he said, sure. And eventually, he started believing it. And he started <laughs> saying, I am... I am actually a snake man. And right, now right. like he has been like one of the preeminent snake people in the country <laughs> for the last 30 years. And Mike has done the same thing initially. He's like, wouldn't it be funny if I was a wild, wild west super fan? But now he can't even see past it. You see, yeah, now he now is everybody.
3: that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have two points I need to raise. One, that's not quite how it happened. How it happened was. I know, I know. I just wanted I, to do how, that. But how it I happened was you. the different thing. It's a thing that people my generation are experiencing a lot, which is not like super ironic but just something comes up from the '90s that we just go, "Oh my god, remember how this used to happen?" Like, and it is—it's a memory of the—it's—it's it's, it's like having memories of the old country. It's like remembering Anna Like, I keep thinking, "Like, oh, we used to do this. <laughs> we used to have these moments." <laughs> is this, you know? Like, yeah. it's—it's—and and it's just like—and—and and the future generation will never understand. I. I at my old movie theater I did an employee screening of Wild Wild West and I went mm-hmm. all the fuck out and yeah. the younger people didn't understand that I was like no this is just this was a magical thing that happened once upon a time that Will Smith was such a big name that they would just give him any script even if it made no sense for him and we all showed up. We just did it like it was our patriotic duty like it was a beautiful thing. Yeah. Uh we don't have that. And so you know that now. The, the other point that I I want to raise is Phil. You're right. I, okay. I I don't think you you hate me. I think the issue is, and we've discussed this before. Our podcast. Part of the reason that we became so friendly, like <laughs> our show and your show, was our podcast has a very similar dynamic to yours. Tom uh, and my co-host uh, is is very much Kenny. They're very, you know, and that's why that I've heard Tom. their
2: their laughter is
1: is decided we got to be we got on famously. I it, was love that guy. it was
3: amazing. <laughs> <laughs> i i made i made a the, the reason kenny's even bringing up beyond the mat is i made a joke about hey if you need someone from beyond the mat tom's there and it became that stepbrothers gif of did we just become best friends <laughs> and i could have just muted the mic right there and then but so <laughs> but so to be clear like i'm i i have always been from a fan perspective like i've been a phil guy i connect with phil's opinions a lot you know and i kind of when tom's the kenny guy and we have similar vibes so why i think we're conflicting phil is it's like you have to imagine that you're, I don't know, uh, a Pikachu, and I'm a clone Pikachu. Oh, And we're right. just so similar that we have to, to battle. And to that I say, Phil, Brother, my brother, <laughs> tell me what are we fighting for? Tell I have me no wh- idea what's happening right that now. Is a song, but I, yeah. That is a song. You can sing! That- uh, uh, you know, only songs by Blessed Union of the Soul. Uh, only songs... <laughs> Do oh, I know man. the yeah. Do I know the friend. band name? Yes. Did I find so their Twitter great. account almost follow and then saw it posted a bunch of weird right
1: wing shit? Yes. Oh, you, <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> you're too you're too young for Haley Leonardo Hey, I know Haley Ardo. Yeah, right. and she yeah, likes they, me for uh, she, yeah. That's she likes me song. for me,
3: yeah, song, right? Song, yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. And I believe was the other one, right? Do you remember that? And no, I believe, call. right? Yeah. Okay. So, so um, I have I'm ideas. gonna I'm gonna read the
2: synopsis <laughs> of uh, Pokemon the first movie to our audience. is it? The is it that all right?
3: Not. May I? May I throw one thing out there? Absolutely. That I'm so sorry. I do want to kind of give just a quick bit of context on Pokemon as a force in the year 1999, so that we understand how this movie came to be. Is that all right? Great. We love like, that. go okay. for it. We love it. We love it. Because I have right here uh, a timeline of everything. Oh, Jesus. Released every year. Uh, And the reason (laughs) I say this, and the reason I think this is impressive, (laughs) is we have to remember that Pokemon is, to this day, the. The single most successful media franchise. This is a hundred percent true. It's the most successful media franchise. More than Mickey Mouse. More than any of that. It's the most successful media franchise. And what's more impressive about that?
2: Do we have a number to associate with that, or no? I
3: I could look one up, man. Okay. I got I, got, I, I got so I, got I
2: just when, pages you here. That, I really when you, when you yeah. say that when you when you say that something is the most successful media franchise, I just wanted to sort of but, but is, I believe you. A, I'm just there, I'm
3: there is a number. I I don't have it offhand. I remember going it's through probably a list like and a looking, trillion
2: dollars or oh, something yeah. like that.
3: I mean, so. And the most thing that's most impressive is, if you think of the other major franchise from my generation that was kicking off at this time, uh, which is Harry Potter, Mm -hmm. I think about the fact that around this time, around 1999, uh, where I was still here in Massapequa, Long Island, uh, around 1999, I remember a, a school librarian going, hey, you should read these books. There's like three of them already. You should check them out. And then when the fourth book was coming out, they started doing the midnight releases. By the fifth book, you know, there were lines for it. By the sixth book, you had to get a wristband days ahead of time. Pokemon hits the US, it's released in Japan in 1996, hits the US in 1998. By 1999, let's take a look at...
2: Uh, yeah, Can I pause you for one quick Please. second? Because I have a number that I just want oh, our audience excellent. to know, that By Pokemon is worth $92 billion.
3: If I had that number off the top of my head, I had gone too far down the rabbit hole. That no, is no, don't. You, of, I didn't expect it of lot you. Lot That's a shit money. ton of money. $92 so
1: billion dollars for a fucking brand.
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Anyway, continue. It does not hit the U.S. until 1998. And in just one year, okay, you've got the show that had aired in syndication for 40 episodes now gets an exclusive deal with Kids WB. Pokemon, the first movie, Mewtwo Strikes Back, is released in the U.S. To promote the film, a Boeing 747 that has been repainted to have the Pokemon on it lands at JFK Airport. Burger King introduces 57 different kids meal toys, (laughs) uh, a whole bunch of cards. They had Cups, crowns, all that shit.
2: They kill cheat, they kill children, by the way. Yes.
3: I'm glad you had that one. I got that. Uh yeah. Two kids suffocated <laughs> on the top of the Pokeballs that they came in, they had to put holes in them at Hasbro. Uh you've got six twenty-three <laughs> character gold a cards there? at Burger King.
1: What? <laughs> Was there a Charizard uh, in there?
3: <laughs> so you've got you've got uh let's see. Pokemon Yellow is released here. Pikachu and Jigglypuff appear in Super Smash Brothers, Pokemon Stadium is released, Pokemon Pinball, Pokemon Snap, these are all games. A rhythm game called ninety nine. All in 99. Pokemon like Snap I- kiosks open in Blockbuster so you could bring your cartridge and print out the pictures you took. Pokemon Print Studio. The first 1,500 customers at every Toys R Us in the United States on November 26th got little cards that could give them a Mew in their game. The same is true for Canada, Phil. I looked that up too for you. The I appreciate it. December that. 99 you. issue of Nintendo Power features a Mew and Pikachu giveaway. The Pokemon League does a tour to eight states in 99. The Pokemon Monopoly is released. Pokemon Yahtzee Junior. The Pokemon Trading Card Game comes out. Uh, You've got Bean plush toys. You've got Pez dispensers. Pokemon Fruit by the Foot fruit rolls. You've got Pokemon Fried Rice seasonings. Pokemon appears on the cover of Time Magazine. I could keep going, gentlemen. There are three pages of shit. I don't. But I want to just. I'm going to pause you for one quick second
2: because I want to kind of like. Yeah. There's a part of me that just wants to say like. I can't even process the sheer enormity of this franchise. And yet, and it does well here, and we'll talk about its box office Mm -hmm. in a second, but, like, I don't even really know that I even understand the phenomenon that it was overseas and how well that translated to here. Like, you say $92 billion, and I'm going to assume that, like, 80 percent of that is overseas money mm-hmm. right i mean something to that effect like this is a phenomenon here but it's a little different i mean kenny you have of kids and you, we, had, we had rollins on at the beginning to talk about sort of his affection for the franchise but like is it
1: i don't know like is it a pokemon big deal here pokemon is a rite of passage now okay, okay. right okay. so okay. pokemon there there is a, there is a a almost like a, a graduate or like a graduating steps thing sure okay Kids basically start and i could do it because i have so many children uh you're basically <laughs> starting with your like your your peppa pigs now and your pj masks and your paw patrols and that's what my three-year-old is on and then they get into then they get into you know mickey mouse and mickey mouse clubhouse and little you know at some point when fighting gets introduced into their lives right it's right. turtles and this Right. And then they enjoy that shit for a while, and now Rollins is too sophisticated and watches The Simpsons. But, oh, but I, but I,
2: I the reason I asked the question, and this is obviously posed, posed to you as well, Mike. But like, mm-hmm. <clears throat> there's something going on in the Venn diagram of Pokemon, which is that it speaks to younger kids, but it also speaks to anime fans, and it speaks to sort of it. It, it breaks out of that. Like, there's a there's a young component and then there's like an older component above like teenagers so there's like a gap in there where i'm assuming it doesn't speak to you as much but the anime component i want to talk about for a second because that to me watching the movie the other day that was the thing that that really kind of hit me the most which was like i love miyazaki i loved your name like i there's a lot of anime or akira like there's a lot of anime that i think is fantastic this straddles those two worlds that I imagine, if it hits you in the right way, could be like groundbreaking.
3: Well, I, I let me touch on this a, a little bit. Um, by the way, we didn't even get to the Radio City musical production, but you know, hey, that's <coughs> Pokemon <laughs> Live. That's not only was that real, Kenny, do you know who played the role of James from Team Rocket in Pokemon Live at Radio City Music Hall in the year two thousand? How could Ryan you know? Reynolds? Close. Andrew Rannells. That is
1: for
3: the question. Tony nominee Andrew Reynolds, I wonder how old Andrew is.
1: That's amazing. But he was definitely we,
3: young and he he seems I, like he hates it.
1: Um as, but. as you know, uh I have some questions about Team Rocket. We're so, gonna get into them. Yep.
3: Did I did I you you that's the beautiful thing is Kenny was messaging me like a bunch of questions like why does this talk? Who is this guy? And Phil, the only correspondence I got was this was insufferable. <laughs> <laughs> well, but so I knew okay. what I was getting into. I just, but, yeah, sure. So okay, So Let me ask you a question. One thing I found out just through my own research, because to be clear, I'm not really an anime guy. I, I, I as as much as I just binge twenty four of these fucking movies, like I'm really not okay. much of an anime guy. I don't watch much of it. I'm, I'm a Studio Ghibli <laughs> okay. fan because uh, my girlfriend and I just she's just discovering that for the first time, so we're I'm revisiting those and I enjoy those. But I had a moment because anime was a was part of there was a weird like almost british invasion thing in the late 90s there's a right because of, passage. of pokemon yeah. yeah well not just right of passage yeah. it was that yeah. Yeah. when i in the early 90s saturday morning cartoons were these very well produced i mean disney was making the disney afternoon and yeah. warner brothers was dumping a lot of money steven spielberg was making like animaniacs and shit and like saturday morning cartoons were where the money was so that was where the money went and then because in no small part because of the company that did the dubbing for Pokemon, for Kids Entertainment, which is now defunct, they had the idea of, fuck it, let's just, this is big, let's just get this show, translate it on the quick, change some shit so that kids will understand, like, we're going to take the fact that Brock makes rice balls, and we're going to call them donuts, because who gives a shit, and then let's syndicate it, and that becomes so huge that by the end of the 90s, into the 2000s, the majority of Saturday morning cartoon programming is just dubbed anime. All this stuff is getting imported from the big hits like the Pokemon well, League and like, you know, the Dragon Ball Z <laughs> to stuff that no one remembers now because it was so much cheaper to do. And right. so someone my age, there was a point where I could have become that person. I watched Dragon Ball Z, uh, because that was, mm-hmm. you know, the more grown-up show. That was if you want to talk about like the teenager thing, you evolved from Pokemon to use the term evolved, you evolved from Pokemon to oh. Dragon Ball Z, because that was a more You know that was that was a more soap operatic Mm -hmm. storytelling. Sure, and I did that, and I think Yu Gi Oh is a little bit I followed because I. I, But but once that happened, I aged out of that shit because there's there's a line where you can either become an anime person or not, and sometimes, especially if you're a guy who goes to a comic con or something like, you don't want to be on the other side of that line.
0: Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Well,
2: it's, it's you'll, same you'll with like the, 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 the manga stuff also plays into this. But but I also just want to say that and this pulls into what you were just saying, Mike, that the budget for Pokemon the first movie is five million dollars. Mm-hmm. Right? Like that's all nothing. on the screen. And,
3: yeah. It's <laughs> In
2: fact, $5 million. Not all on the
3: screen. They cut a lot.
2: <laughs> they make $172 million on a five million dollar investment in this movie. Yeah. And it it's like it's shocking to me how I mean th- this this property is like some sort of lightning in a bottle that just people can't get to, over.
1: I want to kind of make one more kind of like larger, more macro point about yeah. this yeah. thing, this phenomenon yeah. you're talking about. Because every once in a while, and I'd say almost, let's put it dif- let, let's let's put it differently. At all times, there are one or two media phenomenon that, or phenomena that uh, Hollywood or the rest of the media just can't understand. Mm-hmm. Right now, I would say TikTok is that, right? That people. In Hollywood, look at TikTok and they're like, what is this thing that's happening? How can we get involved? We don't understand it. So you have a situation where a very good friend of mine is a radio host in L.A. and they want to put this popular TikToker as his co-host as if that's a thing. But but Hollywood doesn't doesn't begin to understand how to turn TikTok into money for them. Pokemon yep. was like that where Pokemon had almost this this shadow group yep. of almost forgotten consumers um, or people who weren't being fed enough who were able to support this massive industry that Michael just laid out. And I think that that's an interesting thing that uh, basically Hollywood – Almost never are the ones that are breaking the mold, pushing the envelope, finding something new. And I think Quibi is a pretty good fucking example of that. When we try to <laughs> fail miserably, we're almost always chasing, you know, the dragon. And uh, we often don't even understand what's going on. And that's part of what I want to do with this podcast understand what it is about this property that got people by the fucking lapels. Well,
3: let me let me speak a little bit, because I did some research into why it became a thing to begin with, because <clears throat> obviously it came here and it was fucking huge instantly. What was weird is I feel like for a lot of people my age, the cartoon came first, whereas in Japan, the game came first. And I was reading about and I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not Japanese. I don't know much about the history, so I'm going to be going off of what I read, and I apologize. To when
2: you to say me. the game... Yeah. When you say the game, Michael, do you mean the card game or the, the video, video game? game?
3: So what happened was there was uh, apparently from what I gathered during the 90s, there was a period of massive economic decline in Japan that they referred to as the lost decade. Yeah. And in response to that economic decline came something called the healing boom, which is similar to what we kind of termed as like self-care. And that became a big thing here. And what happened was consumers were really craving interaction and intimacy instead of just buying shit. You know, they wouldn't just settle for like Hello Kitty on a backpack. Now they wanted something they could interact with and and the cafes spring up and things like that. The beauty of this game and what made it stand out so much is the creator, who is uh, Satoshi Tajiri, had this idea. He loved collecting bugs as a kid. And he thought there was something to the idea of instead of it just just being a fighting game, people wanted Mm -hmm. something they could nurture. Tamagotchi comes out around the same time and he gets this idea that it's not just about fighting you could have the fighting components you could have your street fighter tekken elements in this right but you could also go on an adventure it was all about traveling from town to town these early games so it's that you get that zelda that kind of quest element you know but then on top of that there is this collector element because yes you want to go to the eight different gyms that's the way the game is structured there was pokemon red and pokemon green were the first two games and they were structured in a way that what you did is you would go out you would your goal was to go to eight different gyms, collect their badges for for beating the gym leaders, and the goal was you could go to the big championship, the Elite Four, and win that. But along the way, you're catching these Pokemon. Right? You're going out the fields, you're catching them. So there's an exploring element, and there's a zoological element, and all the different Pokemon have strengths and weaknesses, and there's animal shit to learn from them. What was most interesting about this though, and why it ties into this Lost Decade thing, mm-hmm. is that they produced red and green, and only certain Pokemon were available in each game. You could not actually catch all the Pokemon from just one game. Now, here in the U.S., when we got them here and they were called Pokemon Red and Blue, here in the U.S., our cynical parents all looked at that and went, oh, this is just a cash grab. It's to get you to buy two right. games. But it's not. It was created because they had these little link cables. And what you had to do was if you had Pokemon Green, you were a kid in Japan, you were forced in a time where you were pretty antisocial, you were forced to go out and find someone who had that other game and make friends and interact uh-huh. with them so they could trade Pokemon with you so you could get them all. So that uh. is very tied into why this is so big. And I think why it lands here is the fact that there are so many elements in this particular franchise that if you are a person who likes fighting, like Kenny was saying, you know, if you're into fighting, it's a right of passage. Yeah, there's a combat element. But if you mm-hmm. are a person who is really into animals, and you are a kid who really loves you know, what your young brain understands is zoology, you are so drawn to the fact that all these different creatures have parallels in the real world, and you're learning how to best nurture them, and feed them, and breed them, to the point where, um, and I'm just going to make this note, at my childhood uh, nature preserve, there's a, right here in Massapequa, there's a nature preserve called Takapusha, nice little place. I used to go there a lot when I was a kid. Uh, one time I came back to the island, and I went there, and throughout the museum throughout the preserve are these little Pokemon figures for kids to find. And they play Pokemon movies in their little lobby because it is, while we can talk about it as like a gateway to anime for a lot of people, anybody that I went to college with, who was going for biology or, or earth sciences of any kind, this was their entry point because it was a way to understand an environment. (laughs) So there is, it's what I think that
2: I, to, to, yeah, I mean, to answer your question, Kenny, in terms of like how this became the global phenomenon that it became, I can't help but look at what Mike was just saying as the game forcing you to engage with other people creates this and forgive it, but a bit of a virus, right? Like it becomes this Could thing be. that that can kind of spread relatively easily. If we're talking about the beginning, at the sort of the inception point. Now, how it grows beyond that, in my opinion, is it's the expansion into different types of merchandise, different types of things, the cards, but the what have
1: you. Well, yes. I think there's also uh, I'm sorry. I'll just speak from experience as a you know a father, and I never even considered this until you just said it. But Rollins's first friendships, who are still his best friends, were based okay. on trading Pokemon cards. Really, so in kindergarten, yes, they were based on trading Pokemon cards. His relationships with his two cousins, who are right around his age, was initially like what their breakthrough because it wasn't so good when they were little. Their breakthrough was Pokemon cards. So, the the social aspect of it, which you know, I think a lot of parents look at me, me, you know, included as a cash grab. I think. You're making some really strong points. I mean, I mean I'm sure the biolo- I'm sure the geological shit's true too, but for my kid, and he's not a particularly antisocial, shy kid, but it's tough to make friends all the time. You need some icebreaker. And, this and was an icebreaker.
3: Here's the other thing. It also was a thing that for people our age, it was a way. And I read some studies talking about this too. It was a way to grapple with your own identity, and and not in some you know, grandest way. But the fact is when you play, if you're a little kid and you're playing Star Wars, right? You gotta basically make a binary choice, am I the, you know, do I like the Empire or or the Rebels? And then you get like five or six characters that you can go, I like Darth Vader, I like Boba Fett, whatever. Pokemon has one, in that first generation, and there's more since, but has 150 or 151 distinct characters of different, well hang on, hear me out, of different of different, uh, animal types or of different skill sets whether it's grass or water they have to some degree very broad but they have personality types in these characters and if you are a kid it is okay that if you're talking to a friend instead of going oh who do you like oh i like darth vader well i like luke skywalker you suck or whatever like that a kid could turn around and go my favorite pokemon is charmander and while that could just be one thing That kid likes fire. That kid likes something that's bold. That kid's a little more aggressive. And if another kid says, I like Bulbasaur, that's plant-based. That's a lot more healing. That's a lot more reserved. So a more, you know, uh, Wells for Boys type kid, (laughs) like me, Mm -hmm. gravitated toward that. And even from the way those games start, those games start and you get to choose Charmander, Bulbasaur, Squirtle. So you're choosing fire, water, plant. It's letting you pick a lane where there's no wrong answer. It's not that there's, you know, the aggressor, and if you're not the aggressor, you fucking suck.
1: Yeah, there's also these no value a judgment. Yeah,
3: yeah, you can control your... You can build your Pokemon team around your personality. You can be drawn to these. And it was a way for... I, I was not a, a masculine kid, an aggressive kid, you know, um, and I gravitated toward the Pokemon that were more, you know, a little more, like, calm and reserved. You know, I like the water. I like to kind of, you know, heal things up. I, I gravitated toward that. And that became a way that I could express myself with my peers who were very different, and it was still valid, and it was still okay. And so it gives kids this very diverse outlet to, be, to find a form of self-expression. If you, like, if you say Jigglypuff is your favorite Pokemon, you can make an argument for why Jigglypuff is your favorite Pokemon because, oh, she uses her song and she sleeps. And, and no kid, you know, kids aren't going to give you shit for that. And it's so hard when you're a little kid to kind of find what works. I mean, we talked yesterday on my show, we talked about wrestling. I did not watch wrestling as a kid. Because I was not again, I was not a masculine kid. And I got a lot of shit for that that I didn't know who wrestlers were. Because all the kids would like, you know, beat me up or whatever and be like, Oh man, you you know, you the girl, you don't like this stuff. Then of course, when I became an adult, I watched wrestling and went, Oh, this is this is the, you know, campiest shit in the world. So I came around to it. But with Pokemon, <laughs> every every child, every person if they engage with it, they have an entry point. If you were... My, my, my dear friend Carrie, who Phil has spoken to a couple of times, very uh, kind to of them, you know, she was a real spooky goth kid, right? There are ghost Pokemon. And you can be a kid who, if you have nothing else you can gravitate to, and if you're a fucked up dark person, So is that kid, like, the, that's like the goth Pokemon? There is a po- Phil, that's, there is a Pokemon that's called That's the one Cubo. that Phil
1: wants, but it's not the Phil, one he would have chosen.
3: Phil, there is a Pokemon... <laughs> There's a Pokemon called Cubone. It's a little tiny Pokemon who wears a big skull on its head. That's the skull of its dead mother that it wears to honor it. This shit can get uh-huh. dark, man. Uh-huh. And like, But um. like, kids find a way to express themselves through that. And I think that there's something... And I, I don't get me wrong. You can market the shit out of that. And you can yeah. be as crass and, and commercial as you want. Because you know what? If people like Eevee, you can bang out so many plushes and figures of evie and people will buy it up because it's a way to express themselves and it's something oh
2: I, i i i think there's i think there's absolute credence to what you're saying i think that the spectrum of characters that exist i think that the the wealth of of world that exists in it um i think all of that stuff completely there's no question that that's a part of its longevity and part of its success um so I'm I'm, I'm going to give a synopsis of this movie. Um, An hour in, I'm so sorry, like guys. It's, I'm going to try anyway. Hey, you're a fan. Um, you, know, you know what we do when a group of scientists <laughs> when a group of scientists are offered funding into genetic research if they agree to try and clone the greatest ever Pokemon, Mew. The end result is success, and Mewtwo is born. However, Mewtwo is bitter about his purpose in life and kills his masters. In order to become the greatest, he throws open a challenge to the world to battle him and his Pokemon. Ash and his friends are one of the few groups of trainers who pass the first test and prepare for battle. However, they soon find out about further cloning and Mewtwo's ultimate ultimate plan for the Earth. Pokemon, the first movie, opened on November 12th, 1999 in first place with $31 million against Dogma, the messenger, anywhere but here and light it up. What a what a weekend. Uh, it would go on to make $172 million on a $5 million budget. It has 15% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics and 63% from audiences. I'm going to read a chunk of Ebert's review because I think it'll encapsulate in a lot of ways what people, critics specifically, but what people were grappling with in North America with this property. Ebert said the easiest way to understand Pokemon is as a major factor in the U.S.-Japanese balance of trade. It begins as a Nintendo Game Boy game and has since proliferated into spin-offs, clones, ancillary rights, books, videos, TV shows, toys, trading cards, and now this movie. All of this even though nobody over 12 seems to be able to explain the Pokemon universe coherently. In the online magazine Salon, for example, Cynthia Joyce interviewed a 10-year-old named Sean Levine who loves Pokemon. Cynthia asked him, can you explain to me in simple terms what the game is about? To which Sean said, well, it's not just a game, it's a whole world. There are TV shows, comic books, little figures, and card game, but my favorite is probably the Game Boy game and the card game. The goal is to get 151 types of Pokemon, and that's the red and blue version. In the new versions, there are 250 types of little creatures. I collected the cards. I have the red version and the blue version so I can get all the Pokemon I need. Some Pokemon cards are actually worth a lot. For example, if you have a first edition... Charizard,
3: charizard charizard this is what i've been, this is what I've been waiting a year <laughs> and a half for it's <laughs> used to
2: sell it for over 99 bucks the interview was long but no more helpful the animation is bright colorful and vibrant it's eye candy the story seems thin especially com- compared with other japanese anime titles such as my neighbor totoro the story is idiotic the individual pokemon of personalities <laughs> that make the teenage mutant ninja turtles look like billy crystal kids will no doubt love this movie because they can see action involving figures they've collected I can't recommend this film or work up much enthusiasm for it because there is no level at which it enriches a young viewer by encouraging thinking or observation. It's just sound and light show linked to the marketing push for Pokemon in general. I may have completely bypassed the point and misinterpreted crucial Pokemon lore. This may disqualify me from ever becoming a Pokemon trainer. I can live with that. Now... I want to say one other thing Uh before I'm going to let you respond, Mike. Oh, he looks angry.
3: (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I'm. I'm. Hold on, hold on. Let me, let me,
2: let me, let me. Now, the Guardian said the film is humorless, boring, impenetrable, and with animation of such staggeringly low quality that it constitutes an insult to cinema goers of all ages. Now. Reviews of the original Japanese version were very positive due to the film's emotional impact, its exploration of ethical topics such as cloning and genetic modification. However, the philosophical themes were criticized for being difficult to pick up due to their complex presentation, especially for film animated at children. So I just want to say that there is a cultural barrier here, which is that this film, you saw the Japanese version, and Mm -hmm. we thank you for, for sorting it out and finding it, because what it feels like is a Russia, right? Like America saw a very successful property overseas. They were like, fuck it, we got to get in on this. They invest a nominal amount of money in the greater scheme of things into this film. And it works like gangbusters. The game takes off here, everything takes off here. It all does very well. The movie does very well. But the movie feels like a bastardized version of not just this Japanese movie but of a
3: deeper richer mythology and and you know universe okay so. so a couple things one i'm very shocked that the man who went to his grave saying no video game could ever be art took problem with this film that's amazing <laughs> here's my thing here's my thing i'm going to say with ebert <laughs> Here's just, I wanted, I would, just a quick kick to,
2: to Roger Ebert's tombstone yeah. before you continue, guys. Yeah, we we do ahead. it all the time. All right, it's one of our bits.
3: Of course, of course. <laughs> I'm gonna die way less known than him. What's my little jab gonna do? It doesn't <laughs> <fucking> matter?
1: He's, <laughs> he's, gonna so, be, right.
3: he's gonna be the Pauline Kale of my generation, and I'm not gonna matter. I don't give a shit. Go to hell, buddy. Here's my thing with that kind of take. <laughs> and here's my, no, really, here's my thing with that kind of take to begin with. And we were talking about this yesterday, uh, and I don't mean to sound like I'm doing a self promo, but, like, with this new version of our podcast that we're doing, our goal is we are looking at classic films, and we are coming at it from the angle mm-hmm. that these films inherently have value. We are coming at it, and we are saying, regardless of what we think, we yes. have to understand that the thing is not to go in and go, I think this is bad, but to go, "Right, people think this is good. If I don't think it's good, I need to figure out what I'm missing. And so here's, here's an example. Uh, recently during quarantine, do you know what I've started doing? Because mm-hmm. uh, I'm unemployed. I started playing Fortnite. I don't. Now, Fortnite is a game that's popular with the young folks. I didn't fucking understand it. I I felt I was too old to get it. There's this thing. I kept trying to turn it on, and like every time I die in five minutes, I didn't fucking get it. And I was getting so mad, because I'm like, this is stupid. And then I kind of had to have a conversation with myself and go, no. It's the fact that I came into this not willing to engage with it on its level. There's two ways to go into something. You can Uh either go in... With the earnest intention of, okay, let's see what this is about. Or you can go in in the exact same wording but very jaded and go, all right, let's see what this is about. And it's mm-hmm. it's hard not to do that. There's shit I do that with. I can't wait until five years from now when I can actually watch Fleabag and know if I like it or not. Because <laughs> right now... Because of Twitter, I am so fucking sick of hearing about Hot Priest and Jumpsuit that I know that if I watch it now, <laughs> I know that if I watch it now, I'm not going to enjoy it because I'm just going to be going into it from an angle of, all right, what's the big fucking deal with this thing?
2: So, I do love that our listeners are getting hot flea bag takes on our Pokemon episode.
3: I, 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 you know what? She's the child a of Landed Gentry. What's she going to do? I'm nothing. It doesn't matter. You're a
1: million percent
3: <laughs> right. And so, like, so hearing hearing that ebert review, agree
1: obviously but you're a million percent
3: here <laughs> the thing with that ebert review is my thing is he went in as most of these people did in america as most critics and parents did in america which is that they heard all about this and yeah. they it annoyed the shit out of them the idea that it was so popular and they didn't get it and then they went in with this stance of what's the big fucking deal and they were they were ready as happens with a lot of popular things ready to go like how annoying is it when you know people on Twitter who kind of like during the finale went I've never even watched a single game of Thrones. Fuck you who gives a shit. Yeah, then yeah. your but opinion you is yeah, cool? like I I don't like sports that much, but I hate those people at a Super Bowl party who's like I don't even know which team is which. So then why why are you proud of that? So for me with Pokemon, when that he quotes that article where the 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 kid is interviewed, right? Yeah. And the kid, and, and he's like, yeah, I read that whole interview. I didn't know anything. You know, I, I knew less than I knew again." He's laying all that shit out. That kid is is giving you so much information in that screed. And if you took the time to actually look at that and go, huh, that's, if nothing else, the idea that there's these games and you have to connect them to catch up, that's interesting. If you tried to find an in on this, then that that could get there. But it's very clear from the way he's writing that, as he would write his takedowns when he wasn't vibing with something. that that he didn't hear it and for me like part of what happened with yes you're right there were changes from the Japanese version to the English version and the Japanese version is a a far superior film I don't Mm -hmm. think it's just a rush job I think there was complications about hey we need to translate this to an American audience and there's a three-minute portion where Mewtwo thinks he's an abomination because he was not created by God. How are we going to translate that to American audiences? We're in so much trouble right now that the next year in 2000, the Vatican has to issue an official statement that Pokemon is not demonic. That's how big it was. The Vatican had to weigh in. You think they're fucking with God shit in this one? No, they're not. You think they're going to start a movie with a little girl dying? They're not going to do that.
1: Um... (laughs) I want, about, I want to talk about I want to talk about Michael's big, big kind of the 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 meat of that diatribe yeah. because I because I think you know that that's you you're hitting me right in the heart. That's that's my kind of life plan, and that's why I like this podcast and all podcasts that come at shit from a from 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 a open perspective, right? And there is yeah. room for the how do the how does it get how did how did this gets made and all that. Of the world and in general, like if you want to punch up, I mean, we started this podcast punching up at uh, American Beauty, so it's fine to do that. But mm-hmm. it's so much more interesting to me to it's so much more interesting to me to be a cultural detective and try yeah. to figure out what it is and what what I've noticed. And Phil, I bet you've noticed this too. Is every time we have someone who has really done the work, like Michael's done the work on Pokemon, on a property we don't really get. And I would include the Muppets in that. And I would include, you know, what what, what Griffin's done. And I would include when we had Miguel Harron on for uh Mononoke and, and and a lot of other things. When we had Eric on for the Golden Globes. And
2: Eric for, for Phantom Menace. I when felt we, that way. And
1: Eric Carrasco for Phantom Menace. When we had people on who do and, and and when we had uh when we had um who, who did anywhere but here? I'm sorry. Oh, uh, Rochelle LaFette. When we had Rochelle on for that, like we have people who come in and do the work and explain to us why this means so much to, if yep. not them, but so many people. It's almost always more interesting than it's, and I don't mean this, I'm not trying to throw shade yeah, at you. It's always more interesting than lights and color, fighting, sure. cool guns, I, I, and shit like that. And like, I wasn't trying oh, to be reductive. No, I don't know. And, and again, I'm not trying to throw shade. But often yeah. what I find is it's actually incredibly profound, right? For like sure. Like I've been – like like Michael's initial initial kind of breakdown of why, why Pokemon popul- Pokemon's popular is profound. Just like I think Griffin's breakdown of like why the Muppets speak to him is yeah. profound even though it seems sure. kind of crazy. And in general, when these child-centric properties – cross yep. over to to grown ups, mm-hmm. whether it be this or Avatar or Avatar Last Airbender or My Little Pony or Regular Show or or fucking um what was the what's the one with Finn and uh, Adventure with, Time. Uh, Adventure Time. Um whenever these properties cross over Steven Universe, mm-hmm. it's because they're profound. Because yeah. they really and you you know it as a kid but you can really break it down as an adult and it really can like get to the middle of you. And that's why I like wrestling because at its core, at the best version of it is profound. So. And can I say, it's funny
3: you mentioned Adventure Time because that's what changed my personality and how I approach things. When I was in college, I was, I was in film school and I was a real – I'm still a miserable prick, but I was worse then. And I was a real miserable son of a bitch. And anything that I didn't automatically like, I was like, fuck this. And I remember yeah. I, was, I ran an art literature magazine on, on campus, and we had a bunch of freshmen come in. And it was crazy because they're freshmen. I'm a senior. There shouldn't be that much difference. But it felt like an entire generation because the shit that they grew up on, I did not have that language. I was too right. old for Teen Titans, right? My DC animated show was Batman the Animated Series. They're coming in talking about the fucking Teen Titans. And it was right. crazy to me. Because I'm like, I should know this, but it's so weird I don't have to touch on it. And one of the things that they loved was Adventure Time. And it looked, from the outset, it looked so stupid to me. Any clip I saw online looked so stupid to me, and so random and nonsense. And I happened to end up, it was, it, it's because there was a girl, because there's always uh, someone. always a girl. And I, I was yeah, like, she's into this, so I need to I need to learn what the fuck this is. I started watching it, and Kendra, it is profound. It's a beautiful show. It is very moving. It's very deep, and the fact that I was depriving myself of that by deciding that I was better than that, or deciding that I didn't want to engage with that, or that it was just kid shit, man, I was missing out on something that I now think is truly. And that's that's
2: when I, I would I would actually to, to to piggyback on that I would say that there are a lot of people that paint animation as yeah. a whole with a giant brush that. You know, I have, I have friends who I very much respect their opinions of, and they just won't watch anything animated. To them, that's meant for kids, or it's just they've decided that an entire art form has just no merit to them. Um, and I would say the same thing can be said of video games, which obviously Roger Ebert had a, had a similar thought about. I think it's, and to Kenny's point, it's easy to paint with a really broad brush. And I and I really tried to go into this with as much of an open mind as I could. It just for whatever reason I just had a really hard time locking into the movie. That doesn't take anything away from its importance as a as a universe, as a as a property, and, and what you're
3: speaking of in terms of how much it connects with people. And and to be clear, no, I'm not coming at you. I'm I mean I right now, right now. I I hope I hope that maybe you find it on this because quite frankly, Um, The idea of a movie where the entire point is a Pokemon is created by science and is cursing the very gift of life that he's been given and is wrestling with the fact that humanity created Pokemon or tamed Pokemon to serve. So he feels that he should, in fact, become a dominant Pokemon and make humanity serve so they can get a taste of their own medicine. That feels like a fill plot like that feels like something you'd be on board for. If I went to you and said, how would you punch up Pokemon? You're like, let's get more. You'd probably be like, let's get more philosophical. And that movie does. And I hope that maybe we can find you that little window in there on that one. Well, it's um, it's interesting because especially- it
1: also feels like a Studio Ghibli plot. Like that's the kind of stuff that that they do and the, the kind of stuff that you get so excited about. But there is, there is something to, in Phil's defense about the presentation of Pokemon that is off-putting. It's... It is not Miyazaki or some of the other stuff that looks gorgeous. It looks at least this movie looked crappy. And it is another layer you have to get over to engage. Now we're doing that now. So we've we've done it. But like it's it is hard when you you know I mean however uh, this doesn't
2: look awesome.
3: It looks great to me. That looks like a a fucking five-course meal to me. I'll say this. When I was a kid, when I was a kid, I remember, because I was, you know, I watched Pokemon so we rented My Neighbor Totoro and Princess Mononoke when I was a kid. And if you Mm -hmm. guys listen to the Blank Check series on Miyazaki, and Griffin talks about not being into that, I had that same experience. I could not give a fuck about My Neighbor Totoro as a kid, and I thought... I could not understand Princess Mononoke because my problem with Princess Mononoke as a kid was that this all felt foreign to me. Sure. And and it wasn't until I saw Spirited Away, and I mm-hmm. felt Spirited Away gave me like the Alice down the rabbit hole, where there's like a regular human character who stumbles into this fantasy world, and I was annoyed that Mononoke didn't give me that. And so with Pokemon, I mean, Mononoke is 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 a it's a I mean Kenny and I obviously we did our episode on it and
2: and it's a lot like yeah. it is a it is yeah. definitely his three-course meal
3: and i i i now love the studio ghibli films and i I really appreciate miyazaki quite a bit but i also think that that's one of those things that i kind of there's 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 a a stance that people have where they go ah you know anime i don't really like anime. i just like miyazaki i'm like hey man i'm not a big anime guy either but there is shit out there like your name is really good or uh, what i watched uh, recently was uh, there's a film from 97 called Perfect Blue, which was like Darren Aronofsky. You're actually, Perfect It's a 99 Blue. movie. Perfect
1: Blue it's, was released in America in 99, so we're going hey, to so we'll be doing that. I got a
3: fun fact for you guys. The woman that voices Ash Ketchum in the Pokemon anime in Japan is the voice of a major <laughs> character in Perfect Blue, which if you haven't seen, I'm not going right. to spoil for you. Right. But it's fucking wild. But like Perfect Blue, Paprika, like there's some good shit out there. And mm-hmm. I have that wall up too, because I know that the prominent anime fans that you normally meet in your day-to-day you sometimes mm-hmm. feel like they don't know the difference between good and bad anime. They just know this is anime and I like it. Yep. Like how if you grow up in New York and there are a lot of people who are like I'm a Broadway kid and they just like it because it's Broadway and they don't really have a sense of quality. Yeah. <laughs> sure. So there is, but there's shit out there. Um, I guess my thing with when it comes to Broadway is that yeah, they change stuff in the Japanese film and there's some stuff that we're never gonna get here because there's some subtleties that. I was watching it again for the, you know, this time, and there's shit I picked up on. Like, uh, and this is something that most people in America aren't going to get. I'm surprised I got it. But the the doctor that creates Mewtwo that you see. Do you remember this at the beginning? Yeah. This is not just... Yes. And yes. you might yes. notice he has a very distinctive, like, pointy nose. He has a very distinct look. Yeah. Yeah. He's not just, uh, you know, any old guy. He is modeled after, and I have the name written down here. Dr. Fuji, which is the character name, is modeled after. He looks identical to Dr. Tenma who is the creator of Astro Boy in Astro Boy, which was the first anime series. And famously, you know, the the doctor wants to revive his, his, this dead child, his dead son, makes him a robot, then realizes, oh, this robot can never replace my son and throws him in the fucking trash, essentially, and abandons his robot child. Very AI. Um, And then Astro Boy meets a good professor and becomes a superhero. And so we in America, unless you know that you're never going to get that, Watching at this time, having seen Astro Boy now, I thought that was really fun to look at that and go, oh, what a great parallel to draw of. Okay, here's another scientist that I'm telling you with visual cues has abandoned his creation because, as we see in the Japanese version, he's only making Mewtwo because he's experimenting on Pokemon, a lower life form, so that he can learn how to clone life so he can clone his dead child, which you might recall is also the plot of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom.
1: But beside the point, I want to I want to yeah. jump in on that, uh, please. Yeah. That something that, that has kind of come clear to me is, OK, one of the reasons I think anime is so popular in America, and it's incredibly popular in America, whether it's, you know, like the high minded stuff or the you know lowbrow stuff or the stuff that's straight for television or even the manga or whatever, is because we don't actually have this form of art here. We don't have this genre. There is no – if you want to make an American animated movie dealing with these kind of adult themes in this explicit nature, there's nowhere for you. The closest we've gotten are things like like Up and Wally are classics because they fucking touch on them yep. because they fucking brush up against them. It, but if you want to make, for instance, Ex Machina – but animated, you don't have a, you don't have a place to do it, and that's really really kind of bad. That's a bad thing that we that we do not allow for that kind of thinking here. And and what's amazing
3: is you get little moments where it happens. Like for example, Spider Verse I think is a beautiful film and and, and groundbreaking animated film. Absolutely, yeah. and so many people wrote it off at first. I can't tell you how many people the opening week of that movie. I worked at a theater and I'd be like, oh, you should go see this. at fucking rules. And they'd be like, I'm not going to go see a kid's movie. And what it took right. was the fact that black critics and black audiences took the yep. time to dig into this movie and be like, and and push back. That when people were like, this is a kid's film, push back and go, no, there's stuff in here. You have to look for it and challenge them to look for it. That then it saw better success and won the Oscar on And I think that there is... Look, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that Pokemon is something profound or deep. I have watched all of these movies, and let me tell you, the drop-off is real fucking steep, real fucking fast on these. Uh, If anybody wants to follow me on Letterboxd, there's reviews I don't even remember writing that just start with, God damn it, God damn it, why am I doing this, God damn it. So they're a mess, but... But, that said... (laughs) Let's start that way! (laughs) Uh, guys, this has been a busy week. I had to watch High Noon. I had to watch all these movies. It's been a lot. I'm really tired. Oh, my, it's
1: a two I, Red Bull a day kind of week, man. Have, it's rough. I have all right. I I, I have two questions that came up sure. a long time ago. Please, when yes. I was, was was giving his uh, synopsis. One, <laughs> and I think you kind of just answered this question: mm-hmm, Is yeah. this considered a good Pokemon movie by the Pokemon Narati? <laughs> the people who have seen, if you've seen just the
3: English version, most people are not particularly fond of it. I think it's it's still one of the better ones because, again, most of them are not great, man. Um, they eventually fall into a pattern of just like, let's pick a different setting. Here's a bad Pokemon. This one's like uh, right. the Middle East. This one's France. Whatever. Um, but I think that the, everybody who knows will tell you you've got to see the Japanese version because the Japanese version has shit that I understand to a degree why they cut. Again, the reason that you have Pikachu's Vacation, the short film, is because kids were getting antsy about the fact that instead of starting with the characters you know, we spend 15 minutes looking at a lab and a creature wondering why it's alive. That's grim. <laughs> that, that, that kids could not tolerate the fact that when Mewtwo was a child... He met a little girl who was the clone of this guy's, the scientist's daughter. And then he watches her die in front of him. And she says, Mm -hmm. and I quote, uh, My daddy used to tell me a bedtime story that when Pokemon cry, their tears contain life. But don't cry, Mewtwo. You're alive. Life is wonderful. And then goes on to say, do I have this quote here? Some really grim shit. Uh, Oh, yes. (laughs) She says, uh, lucky you, as she fades to her death. (laughs) that she is envious that he gets to retain the gift of life i get why you didn't put that in the kids film for america it makes it a lot more interesting and it makes more sense why if we can skip you know at the end when ash is turned to stone the pokemon all cry and he gets his gift of you know he, he gets life back that makes more sense and you know the the message at the end of the american one where it's like hey fighting is not good we shouldn't fight that's not in the japanese one The Japanese film's conflict is about Mewtwo believing that because he's a clone, he does not have validity as a living being. I see. And watching the Pokemon fight, all the characters are standing around, Team Rocket all, and they say things like, well, just because they're clones doesn't mean they should be hurt, doesn't mean they deserve to suffer. They're still living creatures. And it ends with Mewtwo concluding, like, what he says at the end of this film, even the English one, that I'm sorry, I love is when he says, uh, you know, I realize now that the circumstances of our birth don't define us. It's what we do with oh, yeah. the gift of life that makes us who we are. Fuck yeah, man. That's a good line. There's that's some good, good line. lines in here. It's so good that the late Herman Kane quoted that's it in great. his campaign trail. You know, we all know this. Unless all you right. guys forgot that. But yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So that one, that, yes. that's my first question. Wow. My second question is uh, they just kind of – Say without any context that Mew is the best ever. What are we supposed to know about Mew going into it? Because he does just seem like a run of the mill cat Pokemon.
3: So in the games, they establish the fact that Mew is what they in Japan call a phantom Pokemon. Here they call an ancient Pokemon. And the idea is that the origin of all life. All Pokemon life comes from you. That he contains the Jesus. genetic material Multitudes. of all Pokemon. Yeah, but he's yeah. but really that he is a that he's a power. I mean, and that he has some rumors say he has the secret to eternal life. Or he's Adam. All kinds of shit. Yeah, he's some kind of M- impressive being, and he's incredibly powerful. He's Adam Warlock. Uh, to go full Marvel on you, um, but he's he's a very powerful uh, being, and I think that he, it's also the fact that much like Jurassic Park, they're looking for a Pokemon that they don't believe exists anymore and they want to clone it. Um, But the thing is, as the film demonstrates, Mew is this being of pure innocence and good, right? Mm -hmm. And obviously, you know, the clone that they create becomes jaded by humanity and because of humanity's interference in the beauty of nature, it creates a a homicidal monster. Um, I do think that there's something, and I can't get into this all the way because I'm not an expert, but there are certain things with these Pokemon that we are never going to get because they're based on ideas or characters in Japanese mythology and Japanese culture that we just don't right. have here. For,
2: yeah, no, sure. Okay. Yeah. For okay. example,
3: um, Meowth, the, the little cat that's with team rocket that uh-huh. can talk. Um, I was always thrown by that. Cause I'm like, you know, Kenny asked me, why can he talk? And I was initially like, why that doesn't make any sense. Why would you pick the cat to talk? And then it, it little thing is we would never jump to this. He's not based on a cat. Is based on the Japanese and Chinese idea of the lucky cat. You know, when you go into the restaurant, they got the little mm-hmm. cat with the women. that's a, you know it, it, it that collects coins and uh, brings you wealth, I should say, and that's why he's got the little coin in his head. And it makes way more sense when you understand that this is based on a mythological creature. Okay, you can buy into right. Like, talking more. So a lot of I this can. stuff. Okay. No, I be mean, I mean, just yeah
1: that 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 break that breaks the rules of the world to me. The rules of the world say to me, Pokemon's can only say their names. So. Is that not true? So here's the thing. It, Pokemon, do, do we, right? The, the, the do, plural Pokemon is Pokemon? Yes.
3: Do we want to okay, get into yeah. the minutiae of why this Meowth specifically can talk? Because I have that info here.
1: I sure. want to get into uh, – because my last and final uh-huh. question yeah. of this run was Team Rocket question mark. Okay. So explain Team Rocket and Meowth, and you can please okay. also explain why he talks. But the, so, their whole thing I got to know.
3: All right, so I'm going to give you the quotes on why Meowth can talk, and I want to just leave it there because it's honestly not much better. Uh, I have no way to explain it, but I just love it. Meowth can talk, as we learned in the episode Go West, Young Meowth, episode 70, because as a young kitten, he saw the film That Darn Meowth and decided to move to Hollywood to make it as a big star. While there, he met a female Meowth and tried to impress her, but she spurned him and said she preferred humans, so he painstakingly taught himself to speak and walk on two legs. She still rejects him, and now neither fully Pokemon nor fully human, he joins Team Rocket, because Rocket was the first human word he ever learned. And that's yeah! why he tries. That's to a great explanation.
1: Great explanation. <laughs> I that, that's incredibly interesting. So the, so a a very determined pokemon who's not constantly trying to learn how to fight and being enslaved, I guess, could learn different skills, new skills. There is
3: there is something to once you get into the anime, there is something to the questions of pokemon and and their identities and personalities that feels like um I don't know if you guys are comic book fans, but I highly recommend uh, a guy named Mark Russell did a Flintstones book recently. And it was like a, you know, philosophical Flintstones book that gets into how fucked up it is that they use these animals as appliances.
1: Yeah. I bet and does a great. whole arc
3: about a baby uh, mammoth vacuum cleaner that breaks down and they just leave him in the shed to die. And it's grim. And Pokemon touches on that sometimes. Not a lot. They don't justify it because they're still making creatures essentially dogfight, but there are elements to explore in this of, hey, that's kind of <laughs> fucked up. And that's kind of Mewtwo's vibe is he's brought into this world, made, as he points out in the Japanese version, not by God. He's brought into this world and he's looking at it saying, this is insane. This is this is not okay. And it's not until he sees, again, like Pikachu and these other creatures step forward and go, no, these are my friends. We have like a symbiotic relationship that he starts to grapple with Okay, maybe I'm making a judgment call here. But I can I just
2: yeah. say that um, <laughs> I remember seeing the trailer for Detective Pikachu, mm-hmm. whenever it was. Um, and there's a real sort of money shot moment where Mewtwo like shows up in like Times Square, like there's like a mm-hmm. whatever. And I remember someone in my row, someone I didn't know, went, oh fuck. <laughs> and I was just like I don't I don't I don't know what's happening
3: I, but apparently this is a very big deal. Mewtwo is a very big that deal. That surprises me cuz we live on opposite coasts. I don't know how we were in the same theater for that. Um,
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but truly like Mewtwo is like next level for
3: people. Because because it is a it is the only character that is allowed. I mean later other movies have more Pokemon the talk and it pisses me off cuz it's it's from a narrative perspective it's a cheat it's way more fun when you kind of have to tell a story with characters that can't talk. Right. But Mewtwo is different to me uh, because he is the one character that is allowed to show up and interrupt this world and comment on it. And not in like a Deadpool quirky way, but that because he is not a natural part of this world, he is allowed to show up and as a character disrupt the status quo. And what I think is interesting with this, what I enjoy watching it from, you know, multiple viewings is the fact that the arc they give him where you watch it and in the beginning his character is being, you know, mistreated by his keepers. Uh, these giant robot arms come out and grab him. He's, you know, being exploited. And you're supposed to sympathize with him. And then of course later when he builds his enter the dragon temple, you know, for the fight and all that. Right. And he's taking these Pokémon to clone them. Ash intervenes and he's being grabbed up by the arms and they're kind of creating this this parallel here. And I right. think that it's, a, it's an interesting thing to sort of grapple with in terms of just, you've created a character who is pointing out the flaws of this universe. You've created mm-hmm. a philosophical Statler in Waldorf in the form of an exceptionally powerful Pokemon. And it's a thing where he's kind of, even though, you know, Mew can't talk, when him and Mew are having their exchange toward the end, it, it is yeah. a much more simplified version of your T'Challa-Killmonger conflict of yeah yeah i get it i get it why this guy's mad this is kind of fucked up and yeah i mean i I think
2: that there's no question for me anyway that mewtwo is the most interesting character uh he grapples with real existential doubt um i mean he 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 is a antagonist and i don't want to call him a villain because he's not really a villain but like he's an antagonist to you know to to our other characters in the best sort of way which is that he's Dimensional, and that there's really sort of things that he's grappling with. I, I certainly sense that, and 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 you certainly have given me more um, to chew on in terms of what the universe is and what it all kind of means. And and truthfully, you know, had I known all of this going into the film, I probably would have had certainly more to to connect with. Um, but to your point, you know, Detective Pikachu, and then in terms this, and in turn this movie. It's just very hard to to engage with if you don't have some sense of an understanding of the universe.
3: And yet I, I would counter and I've, I've mentioned this, you know, with with other things, too, and, and talking to other people, I would yeah. counter that that's not necessarily a knock on the film or any film like sure, that. Sure. Sure. Again, I mentioned Wrath of Khan before and saying you didn't watch Star Trek and going into that. But the other thing is, like, you know, I think that. I am not going to fault say, and this is a very different and much better movie, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to fault Parasite for the fact that there are elements of South Korean culture that are inherent sure, sure, to sure. fully understanding that film that I do not have. Sure. I'm not Absolutely. going to fault that and I'm I'm not going to like again, we're not gonna know that the professor is modeled after Astro Boy. But knowing that adds a nice layer to this, and I think Totally that and I you loved know, Astro Boy as a kid. You, you, I mean, Astro I, Boy was.
1: I think that I mean I, I think there's validity to what everyone's saying. Like, you shouldn't fault them for making a choice. They made a choice, but you do have to acknowledge that that choice necessarily limited the audience. For sure. Um, so, if and this is kind of what we went back and forth with with Jessica in terms of Detective Pikachu versus Sonic. Yeah. Sonic may be a less interesting movie and Sonic may be uh, less like the video game, but I thought Sonic was basically a masterstroke in terms of getting newbies into that world, Uh, which I think if I were making the film, and you can do whatever you want, but if I were making the film from a studio level, that would have been my goal. Uh, And that would have been my goal with Detective Pikachu as well. You have enough goodwill from view from um, yep. audiences at large from the view go, from the from the movie going public that I would have made it a little less er- esoteric. They can do can what I, they want; it doesn't I make it a work that? movie. Of
3: course, I don't. I don't. You. When it comes to these kind of properties, and I say this as a man who wrote for a comic book website for <laughs> several years and dealt with the comment sections, you have the opposite of goodwill with these things. And that's what so many comic book movies have run into. That's where the DC movies hit a snag for a while, which is they had this idea of we've already got the fans showing up. Let's worry about getting the other people in. Oh, we're saying and we're instead, saying
1: we're saying different things.
3: OK, because you're I'm trying. To, I'm, okay. I'm
1: saying I'm saying that there's a certain amount of goodwill from the movie going public who are not okay. Pokemon fans going into it.
2: Pokemon. I mean, I think a perfect example of that is me going into Detective Pikachu. That's what I'm saying. Knowing nothing about Pokemon and being like, okay. I hear Pokemon's great. I'd love to see this.
1: Pikachu movie. had enough crossover appeal where yeah. people were willing to see what this thing is about and their gateway drug was going to be Detective Pikachu. I 100% understand what you're saying. I think you met Michael. And I think what you have to do when you come at a property like this is make a decision Are we going to go hard towards the, the diehards? Or are we going to do what Sonic did and kind of ignore the diehards and go hard towards the movie-going public? Um, and there's not necessarily it was more
2: successful than Pokemon than uh, Detective Pikachu.
1: It's very hard to it's very hard to 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 thread the needle and also be successful because I've also you know it depends a lot on the property it depends on a lot on how naturally esoteric and alienating the property right. is because so often I think nerds like us love a property. I, I would put Ghostbusters into this um, – I would put Ghostbusters into this this, this bucket where mm-hmm. my issue with the Paul Feig Ghostbusters is that it felt like Ghostbusters light. Um, not because women were starring it because there was nothing happening in terms of that story. And yeah. I've already seen two Ghostbusters movies and a 100 Ghostbusters cartoons. I can. I'm prepared for more, and I do think that part. That's part of why it was a failure. But in this situation, they made their decision, and I. I think that they kind of fell flat. But,
3: I mean, I. I recognize that there's certainly, like I said, there's there's shit that I've gone into without any context and been completely lost. I saw Sonic. I thought Sonic was fun. I got no problems with Sonic, but I also recognize that part of what i had fun with sonic is the the fact that it felt like the video game movies they make in 1993 where they're just like i don't know street fighter jean-claude van damme fine but there's yeah, a nostalgia yeah, yeah. element in that in terms of like i almost missed sure, when he missed the sure. point i i i respect the hell out of the fact that detective pikachu like you said made a choice and went mm-hmm. and even if i don't like cho- when movies make choices uh, the, where i don't like the choices sure. that movies make, i i love anytime you make a big swing and just go me too yeah fuck it this is what we're doing. I don't you know, like that's, I that's I fully agree. And 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 I didn't I mean I
2: didn't hate the uh-huh. Detective Pikachu. I think I just was sort of like uh hoping for more, hoping for something that was gonna be not just I mean, I don't I don't know that I was hoping for Sonic, but I think I was I saw that trailer and I was like, this thing could be more than what I have thought Pokemon is. Uh-huh. This could be a, a
1: Pokemon it, for the rest of us. Right. Exactly. Uh, if exactly. that makes if Pokemon any sense. Pokemon for everyone. Like there's just yeah. I, I, I wish I could think of a really good example of a property that was able to do that and even, you know, kind of emerge bigger while still staying true to its core audience. It there's happens. something I just can't think of it. Yeah. Yeah.
3: But I also I, I also totally understand the gamble because, you know, a couple of years prior, Pokemon Go comes out and suddenly everybody's on their fucking phone and, and it becomes a thing of there is there is a large yeah. enough audience. I think that the thing is the problem with, you know, Detective Pikachu fell flat, you know, monetarily for a number of reasons, and and not all of them are necessarily the fault of the film, as is the case. So, I mean, let's face it, even Pokemon, the first movie, might not have done as well if it had opened the same weekend as Toy Story 2, you know? Like, there's, there's certain factors, which, by the way, let me just say, you mentioned... Um, you... No, I mean, I think that... I think... <laughs> it's,
2: yeah go, yeah, go ahead. no, man.
3: I'm just. I just want to make clear. You know, you mentioned uh, having Griffin Newman on uh, for Toy Story Two, and I just want to personally thank him. The fact that he fell on that sword and left me the best animated film of 1999. I really appreciate <laughs> that. It's very charitable. And, um... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think it's.
0: It, okay, I do
2: I, agree with you. They they picked a great weekend. It was a smart weekend to 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 drop the movie. Um, they didn't really have any competition at the time. It obviously did quite well. It had a pretty steep drop off. It, yeah. it did real real big Bafo business up top and then it didn't have really the legs domestically as it did overseas but yeah i mean listen i I, it's i I will see you set it up top and and it really kind of made me have to re engage or or sort of um reconfigure the way i thought of this franchise when you think of it as a 92 billion dollar empire that's bigger than any other franchise on the planet the only one that comes close is hello kitty (laughs) which is number two when you think of it on that level you really have to recalibrate the way that you approach this thing and that to me is a sign that that detective pikachu kind of didn't really capitalize on the potential of what they could have done with this thing. They tried to have their cake and eat it too. They wanted to apply to the they wanted to the fans to love it and they wanted to make it accessible to new people, and that's kind of to Kenny's point how you end up with a, a Ghostbusters like
1: I got it. I what got it? I got a movie that is part of a somewhat dormant, totally beloved franchise. Okay. Very esoteric, very hard to get into. Didn't okay. it didn't give an inch in this new movie and it was fucking crazy successful does anyone want to guess in every way
3: i got nothing mike you got anything
1: mad max fury road
3: that's hang on that's different i gotta i gotta step in here and say that's very different and i will tell tell you why why. i will tell you why tell me why because because you can't compare the two mad max has absolutely no fucking continuity in any of those movies that is that these movies exist to be watched in a vacuum because there's no world where you would ever look at somebody and go, well, if you want to watch The Road Warrior, you have to watch Mad Max 1. You don't. These movies, have right. they recast the actor right. and in Fury Road, he now has a kid of a different gender than he was dealing with before. <laughs> These movies, Mad Max Fury Road is a soft reboot of the franchise. There is no reference to anything else that happened in any of those other movies. And I think that in, in Mad Max, all you have to know for this movie is, you walk in and go, got it, post-apocalypse. I've seen the California Love music video. I'm ready to roll on this shit. I got it. Now, <laughs> if halfway through Fury Road, he's talking to Furiosa and he goes, don't worry, I got this, because there was that one time with Lord Humongous where he said, walk away, just walk away. Yeah! Then I'd say,
1: they... No! They, 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 it's but not about continuity! I'm just, saying that... This argument has nothing to do with continuity? It this does, argument, though! No, it, does. it doesn't! It, it has to no, there's no that's rules. not the argument I'm making. That's not the okay, argument I'm but making for no, Sonic either. There's no nothing rules to it the Mad Max universe. What, what do you no, have but to there, know? Is, but there, But there is a tone, an unrelenting tone and style to the Mad Max universe that could have been soft pedaled theoretically for a larger audience because it is one of the most gruesome and disgusting big budget films i have ever seen and it didn't saw it's it's more gruesome and disgusting than the first three and it didn't soft pedal it at all it doubled down at all it and was the most successful of the franchise okay. and the most successful big budget movie of my memory there's two
3: different but there's two other factors in that which is one that genre and that world has been copied so many times that we are used to it as a trope post apocalyptic wasteland is post apocalyptic wasteland is a thing that everyone knows all you have to do in any cartoon or you turn on fucking fairly odd parents they have a guy in a hockey mask in the desert you know what that vibe is i knew the mad max vibe before i ever saw a mad max movie because that's a, a vibe in addition to that i think what helped mad max was the fact that it had The critical acclaim that it had and i'm not taking that away from it but that was a that was a very hype movie to the point where when it gets its oscar nominations you've got a whole new audience going to that and saying i guess i have to see this thing the same way that i i I, I do hear work it
1: all true yeah i mean because i'm right all true (laughs) everything you said is true but the point i'm making is when george miller goes who made it phil universal warner brothers When George George Miller goes back to Warner Brothers and says, I want want to do another Mad Max, they had to have a discussion where they said, okay, but is this going to be the kind of Mad Max that could bring in 10-year-olds? Because we are going to be spending a ton of money on this, or is this the kind of Mad Max that's going to be an R-rated movie dealing with adult themes for grown-ups? And when they decided that they're going to do the latter – that was be because I believe in part that they knew that if you do Mad Max halfway like Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull, you are gonna draw the ire of all the people who are crazy about the franchise. And I think Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull—you don't have to know one thing. I guess you. I mean, I, I, you don't have to remember anything about Raiders. You don't have to remember anything about this franchise to go into that movie. And, and I also, I also, I'm gonna, I'm, I, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna. This
2: is an unwinnable fight. So I'm just going to, I'm going to, I wanted, there's two, there's two uh, franchises that came to mind as you guys were talking about this. And I'm not sure that either of them are are exactly the right fit, but I think you'll understand where I'm coming from. The first is Creed. It feels like that's a movie that not just relaunched that franchise, but it kind of just, it it put it in a completely different sphere. And it, it, it really kind of changed the perception of the Rocky movies. Um, And open it up to a very different audience. So I I would argue. uh,
1: I will. will, You want me to jump on Creed now or you want to do your second one?
2: The other one that I was going to say is Planet of the Apes.
1: Okay. So Planet of the Apes is is an interesting one. Rocky was a dead franchise. Rocky was a franchise that had. And I like Rocky Balboa, but Rocky Balboa is this little thing in the middle of this island of nothingness. Rocky V is terrible. Um, And Rocky also doesn't have any other media anywhere correct, correct the fandom correct. of the, the fandom of rocky doesn't really hold on to anything in terms of internal rules uh um, that matter correct. so mm-hmm. uh i don't think there was i don't think there was any blowback in terms of let's just make this as good as possible however there was nothing there that.
2: was they were starting from zero they're I agree. starting
1: so from they're, yeah they're starting from ryan coogler probably was like look, look i want to make this a really fucking great movie and they just said go make it a really great movie <laughs> there were, yeah, yeah. And uh,
3: Planet of the Apes is different the Apes. Mike, you want to talk about 3? I, I, I just want to say that I think that one thing we're missing here When we're talking about those compared to this Hear me out <laughs> Is the fact that Mad Max is a 30 plus year old franchise right? Correct So it is a franchise that Kind of came to And I don't mean to sound too young Came to your generation right? And that was something yes, that you guys saw yes. And my generation picked up through osmosis we didn't mm-hmm. see Road Warrior, but we knew who Mad Max was because we saw it parodied in, in sure. shit. Rocky. Sure. even my, my significant other has never seen a Rocky film. Uh, mm-hmm. She's Russian, so I'm afraid to watch Rocky 4 with her. But yeah. she's never seen one. But <laughs> she knows who Rocky is because Rocky, sure. the character in the franchise, is iconic in a way that it is picked up through osmosis. Planet mm-hmm. of the Apes is picked up through osmosis. You don't have to see a, one of these fucking films, but Anybody sees that Statue of Liberty submerged. Now, here's the thing with Pokemon. It is that way for a much smaller demographic because it was only in the 90s. And it did saturate the culture for a certain generation who, even if you didn't play the games, you heard kids talking about it on school. You learned about it the same way that I... Even though I wasn't allowed to watch R rated movies as a kid, fucking knew what The Matrix was and shit. No, I think know. that's I think that and I yeah, I think that, that, that while I I guess what I was trying to drive out with with Max or even with Creed or anything like that is that there were a lot of people who went to go see Creed, and yeah. even though they never saw a Rocky movie, they mm-hmm. knew Sylvester Stallone was Rocky. They've seen Rocky with his fists up. They've seen him going Yo Adrian running up the stairs. And so what that was doing is that movie plays off of you understanding the iconography. The thing I mm-hmm. I, I would raise is that. Let's talk about why Star Wars does not do well in China because Force Awakens did gangbusters here bombed in China because China did not have Star Wars. Donnie Yen, who was in Rogue One, didn't know what the fuck Star Wars was. And so Force Awakens plays really well here because we look at it and go. It's a great entry point for the series. We look at it and go, this is a great jumping on point. But when you're in China and you see Harrison Ford doing that, it's true, all of it. They go, who the fuck is this? What is this? Why do they have laser swords? None of this makes any sense to me. I think that what we forget is how much pop culture we consume that we think anyone can watch and get but requires yeah. such a cultural osmosis that we only picked up, even if we didn't watch these movies, people my age, your age, we know Casablanca. We know these things because they were parodied on Looney Tunes. They're parodied on shit. We picked it up through osmosis. And for somebody, and I again, I have this experience personally because mm-hmm. I'm, you know, again, my significant other and I were catching up on albums and shit that like I knew for sure and she never knew. There's so much that like she heard her first Elvis album this year and suddenly it unlocked so many things. She's like, I saw this. I saw that. And now mm-hmm. this makes sense. And so I think that when we talk about Creed or, or Mavics or anything like that, the iconography exists in the cultural lexicon the same way that Star Wars. The iconography lists, exists in the cultural lexicon so much that you could take someone who has never seen a Star Wars to Force Awakens mm-hmm. and they would be able to at least pick up Han Solo. I think I heard that. Harrison Ford, Han Solo, he's a cowboy. Okay. You pick it up through osmosis so it's easier to get people on board because – while George Miller, in this case, you know, did another Mad Max and he stuck true to the franchise,
0: yeah.
3: cultural osmosis has allowed us to kind of go lock in and go, I get what this is. Now, we talk about something like Mononoke and how we can't couldn't grapple with Mononoke at first. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. I was in Japan and I grew up with these ideas of forest spirits and all that, I would watch it and as Miyazaki intended and kind of go, oh, yeah, of course I get it. Forest spirits, I'm with this. Mm-hmm. I vibe with That's this. I totally point. understand. But then it comes here and... You know, the the companies that are distributing it have to kind of sit down and go, God, what the fuck? What do I do with this? I don't how do I make this work? Yeah, for sure. And and Pokemon has that struggle where there's shit in those movies or in those anime and those movies that rely on Japanese cultural references. And so instead you get clunky American references like there's a fucking Minnesota Vikings joke in, in Pokemon, the first movie. Which I love because that establishes that Minnesota is a real place in the Pokemon world, and I'm all for it. I think that's great. Um, I want to see, I want to see Fargo Pokemon. That should be Detective Pikachu too.
2: I would watch, I'd watch the shit out of right? that. Um, so let's rate this movie, okay? Shall we? Um, did you see this film in '99, Wait, Michael? Just quickly before we rate <laughs> yeah. it.
1: Who the fuck is Team Rocket?
3: Right. Okay. <laughs> so Team Rocket is an evil uh, criminal syndicate. So the idea is that in this world, Pokemon are something that you train, but you have a relationship with, and a partnership with, and there's a certain established uh, world, and Team Rocket wants to disrupt that. They want to exploit Pokemon. They want to... They're the bad guys. They are... Are they uh, always they are... the
1: bad guys? Because they 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 seem like they, they got some Snidely and Whiplash vibe to them. So, you know? so here's
3: the thing. In the series, in the first... Well, <laughs> oh, here's the thing. In the first... Series or first two series of the anime, they are the bad guys. They're the primary antagonists. They are some, and even in the games, Team Rocket is like a, a a primary or secondary antagonist that is there to interrupt your journey to the Pokemon League, right? And you thwart their plans. When you move into the movies, because the movies have a different antagonist, because they have Mewtwo, Jesse and James sort of form the role of
1: Jesse and James, like the uh,
3: like the oh they, yeah, listen, <laughs> they they rolled it, um, but they form the role of. Kind of like those two secondary characters to have in Kurosawa's Hidden Fortress or like C-3PO and R2-D2 in Star Wars, where their job at this point is to provide not just comic relief, but to be on a secondary separate adventure that helps give information, if you will. You know, it's it's that they're bumbling buffoons. And even in the series, Jesse and James particularly are set up as fuck-ups. Mm-hmm. In fact, in the episode I mentioned, uh, Showdown of the Poke Corral, they are on their way to their boss's place to get shoot out and probably fired but at that same time Muto leaps out of the building and blows it up and the boss is like yeah hey, whatever do your do whatever um so yeah they are they are they are an antagonistic organization but by the time we reach this uh film and, and so on they kind of more become a secondary feature more like bumps in the road rather than a particular antagonist
1: now i know it's been years for me. I'm so happy to find that out.
3: Well, I mean, they do tell you, <laughs> Kenny, they do tell you to prepare for trouble and make it double uh, to unite all people <laughs> within our nation
2: to
1: protect the world from devastation.
3: So,
2: Michael, you saw this in 99. Oh, fuck yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh, so what, what, are, what are your ratings?
3: 99? So, now, I've been a af- free podcast, post-podcast. I've been afraid to answer this because I want to remind <laughs> your listeners that I was eight or nine years old when I saw this. So I've tried to I be as think, objective. I don't like, think they're okay.
2: going to judge you.
3: So for me, in '99, when I was a child, I would have given this a 98. And the reason being, (laughs) sure, hear me out. The reason being, there is there is one thing in this movie that I took issue with as a kid. These Uh are one of the early movies, this one and the sequel, that I hated as a kid. Um, They are the only like some of the early movies where I remember being a kid and still having a critical enough mind to go, hold on. And my problem with this film as a kid was I hate because we didn't really get into the plot too much, but I hate that at the end. Mewtwo wipes their memories. As a kid, yeah. I hated that as a storytelling trope because I'm like right, I couldn't right. articulate it as a kid, but it felt like, well, this was meaningless then, because these characters don't grow from that. Yeah. Now like, like season you know, one
2: of Homeland.
3: Yeah. Yeah. This does get justified.
2: Yeah, the whole like fucking rewind at
3: the end. Yeah. Now, however, this does get justified in the twenty-second film, uh Genesect, <laughs> and,
2: Stop it. Uh, where
3: where Mewtwo returns <laughs> In, in Genesect and the Legend Awakens, we see that Mewtwo uh, has learned something from their last encounter and has become a lot more open to humans. I watched all of these fucking things, you guys, and it was useless. I didn't even mention it.
1: Uh, you I watched just them all go. and that it didn't worse. matter.
3: I never brought it up.
2: We could sense it it's like when a it's like when an actor knows yes, the backstory back, but it's not it in the important. script
3: we could sense
2: this it's like i always say i
1: always say in the room it's like it's not it's, important that it's in the script but it's important that exactly. we in this room know exactly is, it, exactly is it that
3: you sense it because of that or you sense it the way that when you walk into like a vfw hall you see a guy and you're like oh he's seen some shit like that's just gotta look <laughs> You so what's your
2: rate now, What is your rating
3: for free podcast? Yeah, free podcast. I would say that I gave it a seventy-five, but the Japanese okay. version I would give an eighty-five, uh, and that's partly because okay. my way for judging this and rating this, and believe me, I've thought about this uh, since I knew I was doing this. Uh, my rating for this is judging it based on what it's trying to do, sure, you know, and, and not so extreme as like you know saying that I don't like a comedy because it didn't scare me, but like there is something to it where I am like, I came into this wanting a Pokemon movie. Mm-hmm. And as a Pokemon movie, it delivered on what it was telling me it was going to deliver. I didn't go into this looking for a philosophical drama. I got sure, a little bit of that sure. and I went, great, that's icing on the cake. But for me, a person who likes this franchise and vibes with it, sure. it delivered what I wanted it to deliver. So uh, that's that's where I put it for uh, the pre-podcast. Uh, Kenny.
1: Uh the one, thing, the one thing the one thing I literally took one note on it and the one note was didn't frozen steal this ending. Didn't frozen <laughs> steal this ending? Yes. Um, well, okay. I mean. Yeah. Uh I did see this before. Oh. I saw it with Rollins probably 3 or 4 years ago and I remember being totally shocked by the, you know, the depth of this movie. Uh, knowing almost nothing about Pokemon. Um Mhm. I had no reason to give it my full attention. I was not, you know, doing a podcast on it. So I don't really want to rate it. But I I didn't go into this movie totally cold. I knew what it was about. And then I had seen uh, I'd certainly seen it. It's certainly been playing in front of me. Uh, I watched this movie full attention. Um, It's not my cup of tea. But uh, I gave it a 48, which I think is pretty good for a movie like this. Um, I Uh was touched at the end. And uh, I I actually thought the Blessed Union Union of Souls song that Michael so graciously graced (laughs) us with, uh, there was something almost delicious about it being used at the end (laughs) in the way it was used. And seeing these little adorable Pokemon slapping each other. What's the what's the duck face Pokemon? Psyduck, Psyduck slapping the other Psyduck, and then getting slapped by Psyduck in return, and the tears. It's very pure. I think that people don't understand how pure this franchise is. Um, I can't go higher. Like <laughs> I mean, you can. I there's plenty of numbers. This is why I. There's can't. a whole lot of them. <laughs> this is why I can't go higher. Because I think there were only two paths. I think you watch Pokemon the first movie, you give it a 48, you say, I'm happy I've done that, you move on with your life. Or you watch Pokemon the first movie, you give it a 52, you watch Pokemon 2000, and then you become Mike Natale sitting there for three straight (laughs) days obsessed with this franchise, and I, I cannot recommend a gateway drug to our listeners. That being said... I'm extremely happy we did this this podcast, extremely happy we had you on. Like this was uh, this was significantly more than I thought you would get for this movie. So thank you for doing the work and uh, and carrying this podcast as we uh, we expected you to. I came into I did not see this
2: in 99. Uh, I came into this podcast and I had it at a 50 because you had it higher than Kenny did. I added at a 50 wow. because there was a part of me that was like, listen, I don't know if this is for me. Like, I, this just doesn't feel like it's something that's for me. That being said, I wouldn't tell a person not to watch this. Like, if if they wanted, if they, it, to Kenny's point, I am the opposite of Kenny, which is if you want the drug, here's the drug if you really want <laughs> it. Um, <laughs> having listened to God, you. God, you really were
3: my freshman year roommate. Um, anyway,
2: go on. And... <laughs> um having listened to you for the past 2 hours talk about this and give it sort of a, a, a richness of context that i did not have going into it i'm now leaving the movie at a 60 whoa i think that yeah! i think whoa! that yes,
3: whoa, yes! <laughs> oh cool. man
2: that's cool because i believe that with the proper context this could be a legitimately great movie. Um, I just don't think I went into it with the right headspace. Not I just didn't know enough about it. And
1: you know so what I love you, about you, Phil? Hmm. You always get there. <laughs> you always get there. You are you 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 are you are not you are not intransient.
3: <laughs> no, I'm not intransient.
1: Is that the word You're intransigent? yeah I'm not, i don't I'm not, have, have know, any information
3: not, that's not pokemon anymore don't expect me to know this shit <laughs> so either way um you know i i, I want to thank you for
1: not, you're just the not time you're not intransigent put in, is intransigent. the correct word you're intransigent. not intransigent uh
2: you know you put a you put a lot of work into this episode you watched a lot of pokemon we are incredibly grateful for that we're incredibly grateful for your support of our podcast um obviously we we you know i can't wait to be on your podcast again um and just thank you. Thank you for putting in the time, man. We really appreciate it.
3: Listen, guys, I appreciate this. You know why? Because I'll tell you right now, I'm about to make $100 uh, because in 1998, at my cousin Sabrina's <laughs> second birthday, my uncle was so sick of me talking about Pokemon that he said, I'll give you $100 if in 10 years you still care about this. And now it is 20 goddamn <laughs> years later, and I'm on a podcast about true. it. So I'm making a profit no matter That's what. You know, even if I couldn't get Kenny's number up, I'm still yeah. making bank on this one. So I, I win. <laughs> So, next week...
2: Uh, my, my number your thoughts was... on what we're covering next week, uh, what, Michael? What we're, are we doing uh, next week? We're doing, we're doing Stigmata next week. Okay. Uh, the uh, the Patricia Arquette movie. Uh, We've got Louis Pitesman coming on uh, to talk about that.
3: Um, do you have thoughts on Stigmata? Do you, There's do you, no fucking you way I saw that in 99, and there's no way... I still get it confused with that goddamn Kevin Bacon movie that came out this year. Stir of uh, Echoes? Stir of Echoes, yeah. <laughs> And now so you v- never A- saw Stigmata? No, no,
1: no. Uh... <laughs> Phil, <laughs> I, I was, all right. I always—you know what I do with like my time. Watch you every movie. Not Stigmata? Okay. Yeah, exactly. I, 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 I watch really these every things. movie. Yeah, I, I thought these, you would have seen this one. I he watched these casually, things most. He casually <laughs> dropped yesterday that he had seen every Best Picture winner. And That's I'm like, crazy. And, and we and I and, and, and we were talking yeah, about westerns. I did a western. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is Cimarron, not really a western. He's like, I've seen it. It's a western. Cimarron, which no, which. In... Oh no, sorry. Cavalcade, Cavalcade. No, Cimarron. Cimarron. Cimarron, which was the third best picture winner, right? Mm-hmm. Which is like a yeah. three and a half hour prairie movie.
3: And super problematic. Hey, guys. Yeah, I bet. You know, it's funny. It's almost like I was stuck in my house with nothing to do for months.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Some
3: of us don't have jobs and if i can you plug anything it. it's i'm unemployed someone help me i'm about to
2: go down i'm losing my you might very well do you, you might a, very well enjoy stigmata um a, if and when you get around to watching,
1: i was gonna ask something but i can't remember do you have something what were we just talking about i don't know. uh i <laughs> can uh, phil uh,
3: phil was talking about stigmata That's i was picture. talking about how i'm painfully unemployed
1: do you want, so. do you listen to the best pick podcast
3: I do when I can. I mean, I, obviously, my podcast consumption has been a little lower because uh, I, I don't have anywhere to drive anymore. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I do when I can. Uh, Best I, I do big when podcast
2: I can. is the is, is the, it's great, the greatest. Um, thank you so much for being here. No Michael. problem, we, we and really appreciate it. And I'm- we look forward to having you back.
3: I will just say, if folks want to hear you guys talking about it, by the time this comes out, we might not have episodes up yet. We're working on retooling the podcast, but if you uh, – I don't, I don't know when this is coming out. I don't know this.
2: Yeah, this is probably going to be up in mid-September. So,
3: yeah, I think we're, we're looking at an October launch, but if you subscribe okay. to uh, You're Missing Out now on uh, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, you will be hearing uh, Phil and Kenny uh, talking about uh, Sunset Boulevard and High Noon, respectively. Uh, it is, I will tell you, as a long-time fan of your show, and if you guys listening are fans of, your sh- of this show, it's great to hear you guys separate. because I mean, I mean it, because you really get a sense of the different approaches that you guys bring to this. Like, we were talking about it on my, off mic on our show, like, how <laughs> you really, I mean it sincerely, like, you get to see how this show, why this show works, because the questions that, Phil, you ask about a movie are very different than the kind of questions Kenny asks about a movie. And it means that for us, we're interrogating these movies in very different ways. And and the fact that you guys bring that together uh, every week, it's delightful. I'm a, I'm a huge fan, and it is truly Thank an honor to, to get to be on here.
1: Thank you. It's an honor to have you. Appreciate that. Yes, and, and, and it's nice to call you a friend now, too. So it's been great.